Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, it is exactly 8 o'clock here in the UK. Welcome along to another live edition of Midweek Motorsport. This is Series 10, Episode 17. I'm John Hindorf and I'm under investigation for driving standards. In London, up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And I can't say too much because I'm under investigation for driving standards. And to my right, our Formula One correspondent is Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, John. I have to be very careful because I'm under investigation for singing standards. Yeah, very good. Very good point. And on a packed programme tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have 20 naughty boys sitting outside the room. <laughs> <laughs> and well, 20 other, 20 other naughty boys seem to have got away with it. And $61,000 in our bank account. Uh, All very good. Um, We will have Marshall Pruitt talking uh, about the Long Beach weekend in the second hour of tonight's programme. It's Graham Goodwin's birthday tonight, so he's not in the SHED. Uh, Well, he might be, but presumably he's got candles and a birthday cake. We'll be speaking to him in the first hour of tonight's programme. Maybe he's going to have a special birthday dinner. Well, apparently he's online at the moment. So to a harvester or something. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Look it up if you're not in the UK. Uh, we also have uh, Mark Miller from CJ Wilson uh, Racing on the show just after 9 o'clock tonight in an interview we, we recorded earlier in the week. He's got some exclusive news for us, and it might not be what you're expecting that we talk about with him tonight. Some big news uh, for those guys. Are uh, you going to try his hand at baseball? Ah, well... It's funny you should mention that, but no. Uh, and we also have a cake this evening. Uh, Graham Goodwin mm. says, by the way, he is out. He's in Brewer's Fair rather than Harvester. And he's got on, he's online there. Uh, thank you very much indeed to at DR Diniel, who sent us a cake to Heinold Towers. Special surely. delivery. Well, OK, Dr. Diniel. It could be DR. His name might be Dennis Roger. Why would he have a lowercase R then? That's a fair point. He's got a lowercase D as well. Hmm. Anyway, he sent us a special delivery cake. Sent us a cake special delivery. And uh, it's a beetroot and walnut cake, Ooh. which we've sampled this evening. And, Nick? Uh, it's very, very nice. And it went very nicely after the pasta carbonara. Oh, I've, been, I've been very well fed today. I'll probably be snoring before the uh, second half of the show. <laughs> which is probably good you news. You won't get that in the harvester, I can tell you. No, good news for music lovers there, then. Oh. <laughs> Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go to the uh, points of order here, as we have uh, uh, apologies for absence uh, this evening, and we've had quite a few into at Spectatement and at Radio Le Mans. 
Um, Chris Ratcliffe says, my listening device hasn't been picked as a chosen manufactured by the ACO, so I am listening tonight, but unsure what will happen in 2017. Uh, Andrew Kitney says, I'm sipping champagne at 35,000 feet into London Heathrow. Well, if you're 35,000 feet, you're not going to be getting to Heathrow anywhere today, so you need to be a bit lower. Mm. Anyway, there's Wi-Fi on planes now. Um, uh, Andrew Backer is the one who started the uh, driving standards. He's under investigation uh, this evening uh, as well. Uh, I have to throw on a suit and go for a big boy interview, says Ian at last to break. Good luck. Uh, missing tonight's show, celebrating becoming first-time homeowners and my father-in-law's birthday. Hashtag release the cider, says Jensen09. Uh, I'm working on an appraisal to repaint the wall in Long Beach. Oh, Zach Jansen. Uh, a bit cutting there. Uh, and uh, sorry for missing the show. Governor's meeting at work. Looking forward to the podcast. Rob Jana sent that. And there was one more that I really quite liked about this one. Yes, Dave Alcock, apologies for absence in Disneyland Paris with long-suffering wife. Doesn't say if he's his long-suffering wife or someone mm. else's. Earning brownie points for the 24 hours in front of the TV in June. And Mark, who is at Ruptured Duck. And I'm going to read this verbatim. Right, Mark is at Ruptured Duck. Right, so apologies for options. Choice. Time with Mrs. RD now. Mrs. Ruptured Duck now, which made me giggle. Podcast MWM for commute or listen live and enjoy the doghouse. And as a ruptured duck, obviously, clearly uh, that uh, is not a good thing. Uh, and Alex Capaccia is uh, listening to us tonight. Alex, good evening to you. He says, after another day of trying to sort a Le Mans 24 drive, I'm ready for the comparative sanity <laughs> of midweek motorsport and speculation. Well, if it's any, any, uh, uh, yeah, what's the word for it? Any sort of... Uh Sucker? Yeah. It, I didn't get a Le Mans drive today either. No. <laughs> Nor did I. Think, I. I, think Alex I think that's because got... we're still under investigation. For, for driving standards mm. or singing standards because I won't even think about it Damon don't even think about it fine. five past eight let's get into the show with a bit of news from Tim Gray all the latest motorsport news from around the world midweek motorsport Formula and one the top headline Formula 1 has produced some great uh, races so far this season has it? yes Excellent. you said to yourself how much you enjoyed the Chinese Grand Prix I did uh, that's, uh, I, um, in fact I, I was on level 42 with that Chinese way, I really was. Uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix has not lived up to that, though, has it, Nick? Hang on. Well, that's because you have to assume that what John said about China was right. Well, I you enjoyed enjoy the Chinese the Chi- Grand Prix, too. I thought the Bahraini Grand Prix, or whatever it is, Bahrainian, Bahraini? No, not Bahraini. Bahraini Grand Bahrain. Prix. The Bahrain Grand Prix. The Grand Prix of Bahrain, I thought, was better than the Grand Prix of China. Really? Why was that? Because it was darker. Yeah, it looked better for There was start. more sparks. There were more sparks. There's more. All the colours were popping. Yeah, like a popping colour, and uh, it's better. And there was better, there was fireworks. Yeah, and it, basically, fewer people. In, in fairness, in fairness, there's fewer people there to be disappointed. Less smog. There was less yes. smog. Yeah. There was less smog and more impo- uh, better support races. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. TCR seems to be reasonable. I never saw it. To be honest, and, uh, no, I thought I, <clears> yes, <throat> you can change lanes, uh, but only once, obviously, in each move. Uh, no, I thought it was quite. I actually. To be honest, I thought, yeah, given that China and Bahrain both had Lewis Hamilton completely controlling it and only ever getting close because of a circumstance rather than anything he'd done, I thought it was far more interesting than the rest of the positions than China was. Uh, Pardon? I I think I said. Uh, I'm not sure how we spell that. Uh, I uh, I don't understand. I'm not going to disagree. I I still thought it was interesting. I I, I thought China was more interesting in, in a... 
really? overview endurance racing all shrunk down into an hour and a half type of way um, I don't understand why they didn't put Kimi on the, the harder tyres second and third is overtaking and third and fourth overtaking and second and fourth whereas in China the one, two, three, four was the same five, six was the same the whole way through yeah okay well, no, no, sorry. No, just, we're just looking at different things I, I, actually, I actually thought the Bahraini Grand Prix was, was, kept me entertained and interested for the entire one hour 30x minutes it was I managed to forget to put I watched the uh, practice and qualifying on um, American TV and then I missed the race because I was otherwise engaged, i.e. in the air, and I'd forgotten to DVR it. So I DVR'd the highlights, and the highlights on one of the two um, uh, broadcasters in the UK didn't enthrall me, if I'm honest. See, I, I think, because you could see the strategy playing out, and you kind of could work out what was going on. Like, you know, it wasn't always spelled out, but you could work it out for yourself. It was quite interesting to see whether, how close Kimi was going to get. The sparks were great. And, oh, stop talking about sparks. No, the sparks were great. Do you know sparks what? are a byproduct. Listen, I tell you what. Of stopping Red Bull cheating. There's not this... The, the town isn't big enough for the both of those sparks. Well, eight is going to leave, I can tell oh, you. Okay. okay. Uh, the sparks are only there because they are a byproduct. Which, for me, which that... in Bahrain and at Singapore be great rest of the year. It's number one all over heaven for me. <laughs> this is, this is, I know one spark song. You, basically, <laughs> you could say anything now, and I go, oh, was that number four in 1972? Okay. <laughs> no, we've gone through the complete <laughs> okay, sparks right. catalog now. Yes, Rick, was it Russ and Rick Mel or Rick Mel? No, no, no. <laughs> John, no, not John Mayer either. <laughs> Russell, Russell, who was his brother called? It was the Mayer brothers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Rick Mayer, that's very good. good. Oh no, I don't want to say that. Uh, carry on. Uh, no. But Why do we have the sparks? Because they have replaced the fastenings for the skid blocks, which were very, very heavy tungsten, with a lot less heavy titanium and titanium sparks when it, it grounds and out. Why have they replaced well, the skid blocks? they did that, but just purely because they wanted you to have a lovely TV show. Really? No. 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 It's a byproduct of the fact that they thought that by having very... Tungsten is, is more dense than lead, so it's, so it's very, very heavy for its... And they thought that the people were using the tungsten blocks and what the blocks do they, they effectively shield the very leading edge of the plank from being worn away they, you're allowed to do that because as you know there's a rule about the amount you can wear a plank before you've gone too low and you get kicked out of the race I only know one person who failed that and that was Michael Schumacher in Belgium in 1994 but mm. I, I might, might have happened to somebody else at some point uh, normally off an accident but um, yeah so then the, the rumour was that, that Red Bull doing something very clever with their tungsten uh, leading edge skid block that was preventing their plank from wearing, despite the fact the car was far too low to the ground. Uh, someone pointed out, oh, look, their car's not as good this year. Oh, rotation says starting to sound like amateur hour now. Yes, very good. That was the Sparks one that we uh, missed. And, and, and so true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so basically they decided to do it because they wanted to make sure they could monitor the wear in the plank more effectively. People couldn't cheat on it. And the advantage was by making them tungsten, it's uh, titanium, you get lovely sparks, which mm. show up a bit during some of the season and a lot for two races. Uh, and it was, it was in fact, Daniel O'Neill, uh, who is DR, Daniel, uh, at the, uh, uh, who sent us the kick, which is fantastic. At we'll be having cake. some more afterwards. Yes. But is and he a doctor? Is he a doctor? He, hang on. He's a doctor. He's two doctors, unless I put my hand over one eye. That's he's a completely a doc- different. He's a uh, doctor of the cake world. He is absolutely a doctor of cake. But no, I think, yeah, going back to the race again, um, you know, obviously Keir Ragan had a bit of a resurgence. Nico Rosberg overtook some cars and then got overtaken again when his brakes faded. Uh, Sebastian Vettel blotted his copybook by making several mistakes, which was a bit strange, but then he's never been that good when he's not out in front. Uh, so I can say that again, haven't been able to say that for a while. Um, 
and uh, I liked it. I liked it. John, I, I liked it. I, I did like <laughs> the, oh, there's something, this is Vettel, there's something the matter with the nose, I'll have to come in. How did that happen? Oh, I have no idea. So driving off the track then and grounding out the whole car, grunching the transmission, and you didn't notice that? No. Sebastian, you didn't notice that at all? No, I, was, I said no idea at all. <laughs> I've wanted to find out if how much traction there was in the fight. No. Very, very but, um, odd, that yeah. one. I think I've got away with it. But, it's in the dark, out the back, I'll be fine. Again, um, I do love the fact... What, 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 I'm, what I'm quite enjoying is actually the press reaction in, in the desperate way that everybody is trying to build up the Ferrari threat. Hmm. And they've even produced stuff today saying Ferrari every then new engine upgrade with 20 or 30 horsepower. Oh, 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 pop! And you're going... Did you actually see how untroubled Hamilton was? Yes. He had a big enough lead. How under control he was. Yeah, yeah. he had a big but enough lead. One, so more, when he had the... one more lap and he wouldn't have won. Yes, he would. No, because his two brakes more laps. went... No, two, two more, more laps, laps he okay. wouldn't have, and he wouldn't have won. But then that doesn't matter because the race was, what, 57 laps long. And that's, you know, we could all say that. Exactly. You know, and it, make... it goes back to what we were talking about last week and having a car that's good enough to win on the slowest... T- time Possible basically time. And, um, and of course Daniel Ricciardo proved that to perfection that yeah. as he went across the line and as he as he came out the final corner the engine exploded do you know I think that must be a Nigel Mansell tribute it happened every race Nigel Mansell or he was pushing over the line or something that would have but, been a great strategy for Ricciardo if they were yeah, allowed yeah. to change engines yes. limited. If it hadn't already and been, he unfortunately, that is his fifth engine of the year. He's got one engine left for the rest of the year. Fourth engine Which of the year, then. He's got, yeah, so, so basically, he's probably not going to go... But then again, does it really matter if he takes a grid penalty? He's not going to be competing for any wins unless there's a remarkable change or a very wet day or something. And he's not going to be that bothered about losing constructors' points because he's not the constructor. No, the people the people who work in Red Bull will be, be a bit annoyed about that because obviously that's Are none of the engines that um, have failed able to be repaired, or have they got fist-sized holes you, in the have block? Have you not seen the bangs? You know how you know you know it's, it's basically they're all suffering those hydraulic failures that Hondas used to suffer from. Oh, the, can I mention Hillman Avenger problems. at this point? Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, electric... ha- I had an alternator problem on a Hillman Avenger once, which was caused <laughs> by the bottom end bearing coming out of the block, taking a fist-sized part of the engine block with it that happened to be the alternator mounting bracket. Yeah, the, that was that was an alternator problem. I had an electric problem. My wiring my wiring limb caught fire. Why was that? It was spray with oil from the hole in the crankcase. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, so. Um, you know, that, that was Mr. Ricardo had had, a, had got some points. You're probably happy about now. Uh, going back to Dr. O'Neill, yes. he's not a doctor. He's just D. R. Yeah. Right. Now we had cake this week. Who didn't have cake at the Grand Prix? There was a cake for them, but they didn't have it. Oh, uh, Jensen. Why not? Because it was supposed to be his hundredth uh, start for McLaren, and he didn't start. Why did he not start? Because the car was broken in several hundred pieces and being rubbish. Right, yes. But then mm. Alonso went a bit quicker during qualifying and the cars, I assume they can turn it up for one lap. Um, Alonso unlapped himself at one point, didn't he? Well, yeah. No, he unlapped not from the lead. <clears throat> not from the lead, no. But no, let's, let's forget about him. Lewis. Lewis isn't a championship of his own. He unlapped yeah. himself from the <laughs> Ferraris. <laughs> Lewis has won. Yeah. Lewis has won his own championship. No, not Le- no it's, it's very, very close. It's all happening. Ferrari upgrading. It's, 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 it's fine. It's Don't worry. It's very close for second, but Lewis has won. Despite, despite what uh, John said last week about uh, Nico 
uh, was going to win the championship. Oh, he's still going to win the championship. He's not I'm, even going I'm, to finish second now. Well, oh, I, I think know. he might do. I think the fry drivers taking points off each other. We're fine. <laughs> The, 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 listen, this is this is Nico playing the long mental game. I think, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna act like I'm a Formula One journalist. Okay. okay. So here's my Can't theory, David. right? Okay. So he, he, here's my theory. Go for it. Nico is playing the long mental game mm. on Lewis and right. lulling him into a false sense of security right. now in these okay. early races. Then he's going to come back strong and completely obliterate him confidence-wise mm. once they get back into Europe. There aren't enough races in Europe for that. Oh, hang on, I can hear the tumbleweed from there. No, no, don't forget though, because Ferrari came back, and 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 what I what I've always loved in this 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 whenever there's been a, a year where you know one team is way ahead, they've always gone, well, the yeah, the team in second is Ferrari now. It has been Mercedes, it has been Williams, it has been uh, every team. They're going to bring out all these improvements, and they're going to get much closer. They kind of ignore the fact the team in front also bring out improvements. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, Mercedes have gone to an elastic band, a lolly stick, and some jam. Mm. That's what they're going to, uh, and that will give Ferrari a chance. Well, or, or maybe not. sense to me. Maybe not. Maybe their elastic band isn't tweaked up quite enough. But, uh, no, I think... I think yeah. Ooh, oh, Dish, Dish Network. Network. Ooh. Uh, I'm not... You know, is it you who's got Dish Network? Uh, it is. Uh-huh. Be, is it somebody for the election? Put them on. Put them on live. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> I've, I've unplugged the phone, so they okay. can't. Uh, but I have. Um, I have had some election uh, literature through uh, through the door this week. Do any of them mention motorsport? One of them. There's a party called the Tusk Party. T-U-S-C, really? yes. Really? Yes. What do they actually stand for, though? I'm not going to vote for them, though, because I wholly disagree with their uh, policy on four-course cautions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's good that they're, they're getting out there into British politics. Are we allowed to mention these things? Are we, we're not under any embargo, are we? we can't well, the yes, we... Well, the parties are available. We, we do have to give them all equal airtime. What, so uh, any t- any any other political party who names themselves after any other existing race series, so well, I'm waiting for the BTCC party to turn up, um, we'll give them about a total airtime. That's always at the end of the season. It's very, very, very fun. Yeah. Declan suppose... Brennan has found a picture of a two-door, and it is actually a Hillman Avenger because it's got the small seven-inch uh, uh, headlights, the, ra- the square headlights. This is the, the less good Avengers opening this week, isn't it? That's fantastic. <laughs> It's got a big whip aerial on the front. You kind of think, it's quite interesting because you think about it, they, 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 Marvel couldn't have invented the couldn't have known what the Avenger was when they invent, in Britain when they put it was such a great name in America because over here they, here come the Avengers oh they they stopped at the side of the road for a while. No, there was <laughs> the Avengers with with you know oh, John, yeah, Steed cool, John Steed and Purdy and, and they and what did they drive ropey BL cars? Yes, that all fell to bits. <laughs> Uh, if anybody has actually got a Hillman Avenger estate car for sale from the sort of late 70s, early 80s, I really, really want one. You can still buy them in Iran, can't you? No, they were the Pecan in Iran. They were the Hillman Hunter first. Then it was the then it was the Avenger. Then that being the, became the Talbot Alpine mm. after that. And they were knocked down kids. This show is brought to you by the Roots Advisory Service. <laughs> to find listen, out more about poor li- 1980s manufacturing Britain. Listen, Iran's car industry was started by things in crates that were knocked down kits, which is exactly how Nissan started at Washington, at Sunderland, of and course. Oddly, with, it's how Iran's nuclear industry is going now. Well, it's <laughs> being knocked down. <laughs> and with it started in crates. It was... Uh, it 
it was Bluebirds that came to uh, Nissan in, in Washington. Yes, there'd be Bluebirds over oh, no, and all Airfield at Usworth. If only Washington. I was under investigation. What for? For bad singing. Yeah, I could have just singing let, standards. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Well, actually, we're moving back to the uh, Grand Prix of Bahrain. Yes. Uh, so. We've talked about the uh, top people. We've mentioned yes. Ricciardo. Yes. Uh, Jan- Daniel Kvyat. Kvyat, yes. Um, I'm sure when he joined Red Bull, he thought he would be uh, fighting with uh, the McLarens, <laughs> and uh, he had a nice long battle with Alonso. He did. For 11th? 14th. 13th oh, 14th. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the same. Listen, now in fairness, there was that, there was that great four-car battle for 14th downwards between the two Red Bulls and the two McLarens in China as well. So, you know, that's that's an improvement for them. Yes. Yes. Um, I think Danny Kvyat is having a Do bit we of not think time. that is just slightly, just ever so slightly funny, though, for Red Bull? Well... The only thing it does say is everyone says it's all about money, and they're two of the four biggest spending teams right at the back. I, I, I'm not sure McLaren spend the most now. No, two of the four. The four biggest spending teams, two at the front and two at the back. So Red Bull and... Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari and Mercedes are the biggest spending car teams. Right. And well, Red Bull spend more than any two of the others put together. Not when you add in Mercedes engines as well. Yeah, that's not team, though. That's no. engine. No, the car does, yeah. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter, because they're both thinking poorly anyway. And uh, McLaren appear to be slightly more hopeful, because I suppose the improvements in their hands, being as part of the, the Honda, the partnership. Um, but Danny Kvyat appears to be under some pressure. I think it's a bit unfair, because his car keeps grenading itself. But I think he's more under pressure, because, again, people need, people, F1 people need to write things. Uh, and so far, Max Verstappen and... Uh, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. both did a reasonably good job not throwing it off the road and their cars have blown up less. Mm. What uh, odd thing did uh, Carlos Sainz get up to at the weekend? Oh, we're not allowed to talk about that. Did it's under embargo. Sin embargo. Did he go on a, a camel rally? On his way to the grid. Oh, uh, on his way to the grid? Mm. He's given a penalty for it. Was he? Yeah. I went too slow, didn't he? He was too going too slowly, slowly yeah. He went too slowly on his, on his drive round the grid lap. He was outside the maximum allotted time for his Is that the coming? first time that that's ever happened to anyone? I can this never is, remember. This is not the green flag formation lap. This is no. out of the pits, round yeah. to grid up. It took too long. Really? I don't know why that's an issue. No, me neither. Leave me alone. I know exactly what I'm doing. I mean, is he trying to save fuel? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Mm. It didn't need to save fuel in the end because the car didn't get to the ra- end yeah, of the but, race. But that's, it's a very, very good point. He must have known the car was going to grenade itself at some point. They all do. So why not go? On. You see, I'm quite surprised that knowing the cars are going to blow up, that, that Red Bull and uh, Toro Rosso haven't chosen the old 19, uh, mid-80s, early put 90s half the fuel idea, in. put half the fuel in, know you're going to run out, S- try around the front and get the sponsors. Put the super sponsors. softs yeah. on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... It worked for a number of teams in the... Uh, Apparently McLaren have been trying to do that. It's but still not working. But they can't working. get far enough to run the half tank, yeah. <laughs> yes. They can't manage to get the cars actually to the in grid to get some sponsors. Them, the, the one car that ran was better this week. But that's... Be- look, no. The issue... That's the same as saying, in fairness... Stop. German measles isn't as bad as measles. Right. <laughs> However, you can't take anything from that because it had Alonso in it. And... You know that you put Alonso in a car, and the car does better than it should. Well, that's that's possible, yes. I don't know whether he's doing Fred Flintstone with mm. his feet out the bottom of the car, but the Alonso factor, you, uh, 
you know mm. that. So where did Alonso finish? Eleventh. Just missed a point. Right. Have right. you finished? Right, excellent. So okay. have they gone above Marussia, the debtors in... in yes. the Excellent, he well going, done. He was going slower and slower and slower, which gives my impression he was like, I, I, I'll do this on radio, which is me turning the knob down. Yeah. I think as they were going on, he was turning the engine down and down. And by the end... He finished was, with 57 horsepower He had at the end. just slightly more than a Daihatsu Sherrard. <laughs> <laughs> but he did what he had to do, which was finish ahead of Roberto Mary well, so, to overtake so he, him in the... In the, the points. The, in, the, in, the, in the championship. He hasn't got any points, though, well, has Will he? Stevens did as well. Will Stevens got told off, didn't he, for his tweet. What did he say? Well, Will Stevens tweeted, I'm really pleased in my race. It was great to be... And he, ta- he put a tag on it. I think it was hashtag 44, mm-hmm. which was he was 44 seconds ahead of Mary at the end. Uh-huh. And he got, apparently got a stream of reviews from Spanish Mary fans. That's not like the Virgin Mary. It's Roberto Mary. Um and, uh, Probably he had, not he, a virgin. He had to delete it. Who knows? He had to delete his. Um, no, but we're going to be calling they, him you Blessed you Mary. Can't say ever. the Virgin Mary was probably not a virgin. No, no, he, he's saying no, Roberto, Roberto, oh, Roberto Mary. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay, right. But the Virgin Mary is also probably not a virgin. He, no, don't say that. He, he's not. He's not questioning Christian belief <laughs> just here. Just in case. Oh uh, dear. Uh, Tim Gray's religious opinions or lack thereof <laughs> are not necessarily those alone. or not. Richard Dawkins oh. won't be able to get through because I've unplugged the phone because of Dish Excellent. Network. Excellent <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, but my point is that Alonso outperforms the car. Yes. So if the car finished 11, but it's actually you, only, only so much position. he can do. Yes, exactly. The car's probably only good for, enough for 15th right now. Yeah. But effectively, it'll be, it'll be great sometime. They'd have been better off sticking in the GP2 car in there, really. <laughs> Probably not wrong. Uh, any more? Oh, yes. lots more, yeah. Oh, dear. You got me. I, I must be, I, what's, your, what's your next subject? Go for it. Tim. Who signed a new contract? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, not Lewis Hamilton. Good question. Good answer. Not Lewis Hamilton. Not Kimi Räikkönen either. He's got one dangling in front of his nose like a carrot. Yes. <laughs> uh, so... Kimi Raikkonen has uh, is under option at Ferrari apparently. Yeah, they op- they're, they're they're opting not to offer him a contract in, t- in case he, g- he goes to sleep again, which is exact- their exact words in translation. Uh, they've said that uh, they will give him a, a new contract if um, if he's good enough. Well, I can't help thinking that rather than dangling a contract front of his nose, they should they should dangle you know an ice cream. That make me go fast, and uh, and for the or night, a bottle of vodka. The night races, but they don't let me get there. And for the night oh, races, the vodka and coke. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> very sorry. Oh, uh, see, I, I can't I, believe Johnny's not. He said now googling. Eric, Humb- no, no, Eric Rude has found a Hillman Avenger Tiger Mark II from 1972, <laughs> which I have already seen before, which is some ridiculous price. It's 22 grand. Oh no, it's 1995. Oh, it's come down a little bit. Um, it's 20 quid. Uh, no, £19,995 uh, uh, for a Mark II Avenger Tiger. It's not original. Um, no, I want an estate car. Has anybody got a Hillman why, Avenger why estate car? Why on earth do you want one of those? It's a long story, not for now. Although okay, that fine. Tiger is drawing me in. So, was that a quick assume. question about who signed the contract then? Because no one has. Nobody has, as far as we no. know. Well, I got the answer right then. But it, it, it is uh, a, the, the, the danglement is starting... The who's going to go where is starting as well, um, and they're beginning to have a bit of a, a bit of a go at things. Yeah. John Steed's Jaguar, by the way, from the Adventures, was yes, a the broad S- speed. C, yeah. uh, no, it, mm, now you see, it's interesting because it wasn't a proper coupe because it it was a broad it was a Jaguar rather Daimler. Did it, 
did Joanna have Lumley start the series with a stag and then get something and then get a TR7 afterwards? And I'm sorry, Avengers wasn't my thing. I think she, I'm sure, I thought, or perhaps it was Gareth Hunt had the stag. I'm sure someone had a stag for the first series, and by the time it ran for a couple of more series, they didn't make stags anymore because they'd all eaten their own engines because they couldn't actually design radiators that worked. <laughs> yes, another issue. Do you know, some, somebody said that the, the, you know, if you get a stag, which had that terrible reputation... Put it, a rubber V in it. No, do you know how much it costs to actually fix it properly using stuff from today? No, not very much. £41. <gasps> £41 to solve a problem which completely destroyed a car. Andy Blattermost just sent me a picture of his dad's red Avenger Tiger, which is very nice, and I'm very envious. I like the car behind it. What's that? The that grey Jag. That's a Jaguar Mark II behind it. Sorry, all this is working well on radio. It's good radio, radio Avengers. Carry radio on. Radio Avengers. Uh, no, but I think it's, no, in fairness, though, given the fact that, of course, the Avengers film is coming out this weekend, I think this is very uh, apt. Yes, very good. You get more F1 questions for me, which, which don't have an answer. Oh, no, all the remaining questions will have an answer. Oh, gosh. Okay, go on. Uh, so, Dashlar is the first and largest town to be constructed on what? Water. Thin air. Hope. Yes. Taxes. <laughs> A wing and a prayer. <laughs> the correct answer was Beer stilts. and Skittles. <laughs> oh, I see. I was oh. close with beer and Skittles. On st- where, where is that, then? Well, I've got, got some other, I've got some other questions. Oh, go on, then. What is the hometown of former world chess champion Gary Kasparov? I'll go for Baku. This must be a Baku set of collections, surely. It's Baku. Thank you. Is it really? Yes. I yes. didn't realise he was from Azerbaijan, which didn't exist at the time. <laughs> Tamer Rajabov, who is the youngest ever international grand master at the age of 14, is also from Azerbaijan. So they're good at chess, then. Uh, the Burning Mountain is a rare natural wonder where? I'm guessing Azerbaijan. Yes. What is Azerbaijan noted for producing uh, in large large quantities? Because it has oil, a, it has a rare soil structure and a climate that allows two uh, or three crops a year. Grapes. In the 19th century, which Norwegian family acquired much of its wealth from Azerbaijani oil? Which Norwegian family? Mrs. Statoil. That's a Norwegian company. I get it's not the one I'm Tamburg looking for. Recording? He's, he's more famous for something else. Nobel. No, Nobel Sweden. is correct. Nobel. Oh, of course, because Sweden and Norway was together, wasn't it, in those mm. days? In the same country. It was coriander, by the way. Coriander? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. The Azerbaijani coriander mountain is, is a well... Azerbaijan coriander mountain. It was very nearly a sponsor of, uh, of Jaguar, of Stuart and Jaguar Racing uh, mm. back in the days when so they were Alfred, in Formula 1. Alfred Nobel made his money from... Azerbaijani oil. Oil. oil <laughs> they said in perfect unison. Which drink is traditionally served in a pear-shaped glass and consumed through lumps of sugar or jam held in the mouth? Something disgusting by the sound of it. That's uh, tea. Oh, is it? That yes. is disgusting when I have tea. Tea should be lemon. Not or jam. Or just tea. Is this all... Azerbaijan and Baku. And, um, of course, Azerbaijan is the home of the Seven Beauties competition where seven right. girls are given hooks and different coloured threads, and uh, within the allotted time, they must crochet stockings. The winner is the girl whose crochet is the best quality in the shortest time. Well, it's one of the less sexist things so far. <laughs> so, 
so, so much to discover about uh, Azerbaijan so and his no capital need to ask Baku. What he wearing. And uh, we'll find out far more about uh, Baku when it hosts uh, its first Formula One Grand Prix. Instead yes. of Italy. It's an excellent replacement for Monza John. Mm. No, it's not. Uh, I think. Uh, uh... <laughs> I think it's very unfair. I don't think we should. I mean, we can't afford to leave lose any more tracks that Pete Aaron's raced on. Fair, very good. Point. Not the actually raced on the track they were showing in the, in Monza, but there we go. <laughs> Azerbaijan is one of only two countries in the world that begin with an A and don't end in an A. Really, what's the other one? Because I'm not guessing. Uh, we'll open that up to the collective. Well, it's not Albania or Australia. <laughs> now it all goes quiet. <laughs> Andorra. Argentina. That's an ear. Uh, I know. So, so you're not helping? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm eliminating things. Right. Not really. Uh, you're <laughs> listening to uh, a third-level uh, Open University course in geography beginning with air, or Midweek Motorsport, brought to you by the letter A and uh, benign dictatorship this evening. Uh, moving on, Tim, what do we have next? Uh, so Azerbaijan's going to be hosting a Grand Prix, Nick. Yes, it is. It's going to be a street race or a partial street race. Uh, and it's going to be there because of the fine tradition of motorsport within Azerbaijan, um, no, the Baku street race has been has, all right. Has backed, previously backed vast amounts of money, and quite amusingly, at the same time, Bernie signed some sort of human rights campaign thing as well, didn't he? Mm. Aden, yeah, is the country that doesn't begin. Aden's and end. not a country. Aden okay. was a country, wasn't it? Palestine days. Okay. Damn it. Yeah, but he signed a, a, a human Good rights accord. Declan Brennan. He si- who has Declan Brennan signed a human rights no, accord? He, he couldn't keep it up. Right. Uh, no, Bernie said that he's, the, the Grand Prix have to go to places where they have human rights. And I was thinking, well, you've not started well by signing that in Bahrain. Uh, and now you're going to go to Azerbaijan and you're going to Russia. It's going well. And they also go to the USA and to, and to Britain, so we can't complain. Well, our extradition treaty with the US is something that needs to be looked at rather closely. But that's which, a political which comment for three countries... Yes. That host Grand Prix have yes. uh, are among the top seven for human rights in the world. In the top seven. Yes. Well, for being good at it. For being good at it. Yes. Monaco. Australia. No. Australia. Australia is one of them. Yes. Right. Uh, really. Yes. Oh, well, they just don't like any, let anybody in the yeah, door. Once like. you're in, you're fine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, who else? Canada. Canada is a good answer. Yes. Right. Ends in the near. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't begin with one. <laughs> no, no, but you know, I've seen a pattern there's here. Canada. <laughs> Uh, and there's one more, is that uh, Germany? No. Think of your ABC. Belgium. Belgium's a correct answer. Thank you. Very good. Well done. Come to Belgium, get beer and chips. And be ver- and we'll be very nice to you. Yes, it will be very nice as to you. As long as you throw away the wrappers nicely. Yes. Don't, don't, I'd like uh, to point out that I had a very uh, unfriendly experience at Belgium Customs when I was younger, but never carry on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was entirely my own fault. So. See, that... I don't even want to Whatever go there. Whatever you're imagining, the answer's yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Moving right along. This The show tonight is, uh, fair to say, the show tonight has not gone in the direction that <laughs> I might have expected. Really? Quite, quite honestly. Uh. Even even for me, it hasn't gone. I, I, I try to keep an open mind on midweight motorsport. But the other Afghanistan, about... by the way, is the answer. It was the answer, yes. Oh, well done. And con- an obvious one, too. And congratulations to, I think, Alan Prosser, who got it first on Twitter, but also Alistair Darren, Paul Dalton, Andy Blackmore, uh, Rotation, yeah, Alfred Wallace. They've just Wallace. gone to Countries List on Google. Yeah. And by the way, Canada is full of A's. So it's A, Canada. Canada. 
Yeah, there you go. Terrific. What's next, Tim? We love Baku. GP2 when, uh, had its uh, season right. opener at the weekend. Yes, it did. It did. And I watched it. And? It was quite good, I thought. A bit too tiry. Who, who, who were the winners? Did you watch it? I didn't uh, watch it, no. Stoffel van Dorm and then the Japanese guy whose name is escaping. Rio Harianto. Rio Harianto, yeah. Yes. Um, who really... See, every time they, they say Harianto, Rio mm. Harianto, I think he should be a Welsh guy from Torchwood. Yeah. Yeah, very good, yeah. But um, it was it was a little bit too tyre-dominated, and the first race was thrown into a sort of a, a set of flux by a very early safety car from a really cracking GP2-style incident where four cars took themselves out with really, I thought, some of the best... It was caught by six cameras as well. Have you not seen it at all, Tim? No. Oh, you go you go watch the accident, and I think that lap four or five. I did, I did uh, like the... Um, the uh military and political uh, implications of it. What was that then? Go on. Well, because it was caused by NATO. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently he uh, he uh, attacked Trident. He did. Very good point. Um, but anyway, with, with uh, I think it was, was it Gasly's uh, nose stuffed up the inside of someone else's side pod, which is quite amusing. Uh, it took a long time to clear all four cars. And whilst the safety car happened, the pit window opened. So all people on soft tyres changed to, to medium tyres, but of course this race was taking place in the literally the midday sun, at like 50, 55 degree track temperature, and uh, they were having problems making the medium tyres last. And, it, and in, in fairness, the, the commentators the didn't really pick it up, but it was quite obvious to an experienced uh, watcher who, who watches, I think more bike racing than anything else, but possibly certainly possibly endurance racing, that when the, the guys came out who changed the tyres at the right time, they were going to be four or five seconds a lap quicker and they were going to catch up and pass the people. But um, that's what happened. And Van Dorn went from first, led to the first section, went down, went down to about six, was it two he went back to? Fifth or six, and then, then came through and overtook everyone. And it was a very interesting. The, uh, and the sprint race, again, a little bit too dominated by tyre deg, but it was still pretty good. And, uh, and the cars are quite quick. They've got DRS now, which doesn't really make, make a bit of difference, I think, in many ways. But... Uh, I must admit, I thought it was all right. They got a new commentator who was okay, and I thought Julian Palmer was quite a good um, expert. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Enough of this single-seater talk. It's well, after... before we do, I just need to say that uh, really? GP3 testing, because uh, GP3 season hasn't started yet. Testing, but testing. testing uh, continued at Barcelona today, and friend of the show, Jan Martinburg, was fastest. Yes, he was. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, just after 25 minutes before 9 o'clock here in the UK, just be the, the sun went down about half an hour ago, so it's just beginning to get uh, a little dark across the meadow in front of Hindhoff Towers. We were going to do the show outside tonight, so you could hear the birds tweeting, but you still can at Radio Le Mans and Spec Um Nick thought it might get a bit too chilly, so maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll head outside and put the fire pit on. Oh, that's all right. Then. That's uh, all good. Uh, good evening to editor of DailySportsGuard.com, live from the Supreme Headquarters Endurance Directive. This is Graham Goodwin. Hello, Graham. Seems like pure moments since I saw you today. It does, doesn't it, John? Good evening, everybody. And happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. Happy birthday. Thank you very much indeed. I'm glad to sing. I would too. Would would you like the full answer on uh, the new Avengers and the Triumph stag? Yeah, go on. Uh, Uh, We we do know, Declan and I have discussed this many times over adult beverages, but tell, tell the audience then. Well, the answer is it wasn't in the New Avengers. It was in the Professionals. I think it was, well, it was a bit of both, in the, fairness. The, 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 it might have been in the background, but uh, I think the story that you're talking about, John, is that the um, 
but it's professionals shifted from BL to Ford. And one of the reasons they shifted from BL to Ford is because at the end of every week's filming, the cars had to go back to Longbridge <laughs> or wherever. And then when they got the cars back, they were very often not cars of a completely color. different colour. <laughs> or not no, the same model. Didn't quite get it. But no, um, Purdy, uh, yeah, uh, object of very many gentlemen of my sort of ages, affections, drove uh, three different cars in uh, in the... In one um, episode. Just not that I'm a fan. Uh, MGB. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Triumph TR7. The MGB was that sort of sand beige colour, if it I remember was. rightly. And of all things, a Toyota Corolla liftback. Mm. And uh, Joanna Lumley, of course, of that era, one of the reasons where Grimm is still wearing glasses to this day. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, uh, good evening, gooders, uh, and uh, welcome to the show. Um, sports car racing uh, last weekend for me meant out in... Um, out in Long Beach, of course, where there was a, a bit uh, going on. There was some European stuff, and there is some European stuff going on uh, this week and this weekend as well. Uh, what is going on? Uh, we've got Brick Car, haven't we, going on this weekend? And it's the 24 hours, the Dunlop 24 hours at, at Silverstone. We do, and you know, a couple of nice little stories there. I mean, at the moment, Grid is looking at around 34, 35 cars, but a couple of nice little stories there. The the nicest of which is we're going to get a 24-hour racing debut for an LMP3 car because Team LNT, who do like to have a bit of fun with the Brick Car 24 Hours, um, are bringing out one of their Ginetta Nissans yep. for their entire ELMS driving squad. So that'll be Mike Simpson, Gaetan Palatou, uh, Sir Chris Hoy, Charlie Robertson and uh, Lawrence Tomlinson will be uh, aboard the car. Obviously not all at the same time. It's not that big a car. But <laughs> it will be the first opportunity to see just how durable uh, that uh, excellent little motor is going to be. And one of the things I'm finding kind of quite intriguing about this is one of the other cars a bit further down the pit lane uh, is going to be a Radical RXC. This is the kind of relatively new uh, road-to-track car uh, v- V8-powered, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And amongst the drivers in that car are the GT Academy director, Lawrence Wiltshire. Uh, so Lawrence will be racing against two of the guys who've actually come through that little academy of theirs. Uh, some news in the last couple of days about the Asian Le Mans series. Now, yes. this is important on a number of levels. Um, first of all, it's still happening. Uh, the ACO, if you remember, have kind of taken it back sort of in-house and are adamant that it will continue to happen. But there's been some calendar changes, which, uh, reading between the lines, could be significant, Graham. Well, yeah, I mean, I think first things first, before we get into kind of um, theorising about what they're up to, what they're up to in the first instance is to rebuild this championship from mm-hmm. the shattered wreck that it was and trying to attract more cars to uh, to the grid. And what they're going to do with that, as I turn the phone off... Dish Network. Yes. That's twice tonight. We only need three, and we've won the big prize. We get free Dish Network. That'll be be my son telling me for the third time that he's passed his driving test today. Oh, congratulations, Goodwin Jr. They uh, sort of wonder whether or not that might be kind of can I have a car, Dad? Uh, Answer, no, you can't. Um, We found a nice Hillman Avenger on the classic (laughs) cars. You You could give him a Ginetta. I, th- I think what we're driving at here, John, because what we've got is the 2015-16 season. The first two yeah. rounds will be accompanying uh, the 
Fuji and Shanghai races of smart. the WEC. Very yeah, smart. As a support race, not on the same grid, should make that clear, but it does mean, John, that you and I will both get the opportunity to see those races. Good point. Um, it also means that we're going to get two additional classes. The CN cars will remain alongside LMP3, should there be any takers there. And also, in effect, one mate races are going to be eligible in a new GTM um, category. So they're really going for as many numbers as they can possibly get. But the most significant change potentially is that they've added another race in thailand at the buraram circuit in thailand and they've shifted the sepang race from where it was a week after the 12 hours of sepang when sro took on board the promotional duties for that race they put that race a week ahead of uh, the asian le mans series to the end of january which means we've got a calendar that spreads across 15 and 16 now i think what you were driving up with your earlier comment john is this is exactly what uh, the WEC were looking at doing. Yeah. Now, okay, it's slightly different because this is an all-Asian series and there's some there's some logistical realities uh, that apply here. But could they be looking at the, um, the viability of this? Well, maybe. Um, but for me, and, and we've had this conversation earlier today, John, so you'll, you'll know what's coming next. Mm. Actually, I think the series that probably needs to look at it is the Duty United Sports Car Series. Yeah, and, and you know, you and I have had a chat about this. Uh, we were down at an Audi event today in uh, the very lovely Audi West London dealership, which I believe is a Penske-run dealership, if I'm... Uh, really? Yeah, I think so. It always... Audi West London, the old Audi West London, which was out by the airport, um, was always uh, one of Rogers. Uh, we were up in the Quattro rooms today doing some interviews that you'll hear from our point of view uh, over the spa... WEC weekend with a, a new long one from Ollie Jarvis, which was very interesting. And Ollie was uh, very open and a thoroughly good subject. And also we'll be having a DTM preview next week that will include Jamie Green and Adrienne Tambay as well. Uh, but that's for next week uh, and uh, coming up to the to the spa race uh, of the WEC. Um, what I said, Graham, is I, I don't disagree with um, potentially moving the Tudor United sports car series into a more, you know, start in like, like football, like soccer in Europe, start in August, September uh, and run through till, well, I would suggest probably Sebring as your finale. Um, yeah, absolutely. What I'd like to see on the back of that to make it even more interesting though, is that the endurance part of the season would run between one season and another. So the first two rounds of one year's, uh, endurance season would be the Rolex 24 Daytona then Sebring and then two races in the first part of the following year's season in after Le Mans so you know let's say uh, maybe a long race at Road America long yep. uh, or it could be Watkins Glen and Petite of course because you would have those towards the start of your season and what that would do is effectively give people who were out of the main championship something still to bother to turn up for if they weren't going to win the championship. And I, I think there's I think there's some life in that. And I think this is an interesting move because you and I have spoken to Pierre Fion, the president yeah. of the ACO before, and this is a concept that he is very, very interested in. I think, yeah, I think they are so interested in it. There are some clear issues around how you deliver it. And I think one of the things I think that is of concern is that if you finish your WEC season with the Le Mans 24 hours, does that mean that everybody is talking about who is the Le Mans winner yes. and nobody is talking about the world champion? And of course, this is, you know, Here it's an FIA 
and ACO, and you don't want to lose that. So that that is, I think, a real world problem for them, albeit a first world one. But um, it's a, certainly a real problem for them. But as far as other race championships are concerned, I mean, for me, and you'd have to go a long way to find someone who's a bigger North American road racing fan than I am. I just think it's losing momentum. It's it's a long haul through the middle part of the year uh, for the Junior United Sports Car Championship. And for me, I think it would be a really good thing. for Even if they just had the debate and had it openly, I think it would be an interesting debate for them to have. It means that they don't lose the significance of their Blue Ribbon event. Correct. It means they get potentially the opportunity for another Blue Ribbon event. Yeah. Um, because I'd love to see... Uh, shifting the weekend around at Cotra and there being a longer race for Tusk. But of course, that would probably mean one of those races not being on the Saturday. And we know that that didn't quite work when the WEC did it. But, you know, there's an opportunity here for motorsport to take another look. We do what we do because that's the way we've already always done it. And actually, the world has moved on. We can we can look again and we should. Uh, René de Boer, who is one of our colleagues uh, from the Law Country, who seems to pop up even more places than we do, was saying we really need to do what you and Martin, me and Martin, have been talking about for a long time, is we need racing on a Thursday and a Wednesday because we can't fit it all into weekends. He's got to try and pull so-and-so fit in European F3 and doing some DTM stuff and, and all that sort of stuff as well. Possibly more significant from the Asian Le Mans series, and this may have slipped by a few people, although not Stuart Hart, and in fairness, we kind of trailed this in some of the things we've talked about. The eligibility of current P2s beyond 17. Yep. Now, that gives credence to current cars and current manufacturers possibly not being allowed in world and European and American championships, but it does give them, and teams, of course, who've got those cars, it does give them an opportunity to sell those cars into another market and give them at least some residual volume. It does, and I think there's two things there. Number one, that's clearly a pretty calculated move. It's something that was, well, flagged up as being a possibility by... Uh, the powers that be in the rather spirited debate that, uh, that erupted over the proposed new regulations. I think the other thing, John, it indicates again, as my headset falls off, apologies. Um, the uh, other thing. Bring it, it back. Bring back the headset. Hang on a second, Graham. We'll get you back. Are you back? <laughs> I'm back. Excellent. There you go. Uh, the other thing I think it indicates is that I think it indicates they're going to push forward with the proposals. Uh, because that was pretty clearly highlighted in the release around the Asian Le Mans series. I think the the thing that we have to look for is how many chassis constructors, But I, because I don't expect it to be four anymore. Um, I think we're going to see more than four listed. Um, it certainly is not going to be the number that we've currently got or got in prospect, which is around the eight or nine uh, number. Uh, but I think what this does indicate, and the language around other communication from the ACO is, I think it means that they are going to push forward, um, at least in the medium term, with the the proposal to reduce or license the number of chassis manufacturers in MP2. As you said, that had been quite heavily trailed, and we sort of hinted at it. And it, I'm not sure it'll allay the fears um, of some of the LMP2 manufacturers at the moment because right now 
come 17, it might look different. But right now, there aren't any teams buying cars in the Asian Le Mans series. So you could say, hey, we've got an Asian Le Mans series. We've got a Scandinavian Le Mans series. We've got an Australasian Le Mans series. You could you could start those series tomorrow. But there's, there's no teams buying cars, Graham. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, kind of a burning desire to race at Le Mans, but no one's going to give me a seat. So there is a reality. <laughs> the seat's not yeah. the problem. The rest of the car to go around it. The rest it. of the car is the problem. Yeah. I, mean, I think that there is a reality here is that they've got to look for a formula, um, you know, both in Asia, if they're going to carry on with the Asian Le Mans series, and for that matter, for the LMP2 market, which they believe is sustainable. Now, you know, you and I have both gone the record as to our various disagreements with the chosen course to do with LMP2. But uh, they seem pretty clear. And, you know, I look forward to the opportunity to have what I'm sure will be, uh, if, if indeed they do announce what we think they're going to announce, uh, what I think will be possibly the most spirited press conference we've ever seen at Le Mans. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's going to get pretty loud. Um, they, <laughs> uh, I can guarantee it, in fact. Well, the thing um, is that everyone at the moment, in fairness, and I understand why this is, and again, we're not, not to cover all ground, but it, it's fair to yeah. say that a lot of people, whether they're, particularly if they are, rather particularly if they are chassis manufacturers, don't really want to say too much because we have yet to go through any kind of open and transparent tender process, which is what we've been promised, um, that will select... Tim, don't. Um, the, which is what we've been promised, and therefore everyone has an interest and clearly doesn't want to queer their pitch. If something else is announced, then those gags come off, don't they? They do, and it's. Uh, I think we we just we, we wait and see. Uh, we've got all sorts of um, how can you put it? Positioning moves. Uh, both some of them public, some of them talking to some of the media, some of them behind closed doors around conversations between current manufacturers or indeed between current manufacturers and the ACO. Um, and we wait and see what comes out of it. I mean, I stand firm behind my conviction that I think competition should basically prevail and it should be the results of the cars on track that determine survival and not a previous commercial success. Um, other news coming in, and again, it is, you know, honestly, we could write these down in a book and people would call it fiction. Um, Saad Morand. Mm. This is, it's like an Agatha Christie novel, isn't it? Because it, yes. uh, dailysportscar.com, the headline is The Plot Thickens, and yep. uh, we find out one thing and it opens another door that leads us down another corridor with many doors from it. it, I mean, it, it is yeah. right. Oh, end of series. Let's start and leave it on a cliffhanger. I mean, it really is a proper, proper drama going on here. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> cue the I big think, music. I think you know, you've got three ways of doing it of, of deciding where, where to go with this. You take the Keros side, who are the company that uh, we were told at the WC Prologue had taken a majority stake in the Miranda uh, engineering side of things. You take the Miranda engineering side of things, or you do what any right-thinking person would do and try to talk to all of them. Yeah. And whichever way you do it, there is uh, there are machinations, there is bad temper, there is oddness going on at every turn. What can we say for, for sure? Well, we can say, number one, that uh, one car has been withdrawn from the Le Mans 24 hours, and I believe from the WEC. Uh, the 39 car is gone. Christian Cleon has left the team. 
um, the uh, the link with Keros and Morand is now done, and the link to the uh, oft trailed but uh, never emerged Race Twenty Four uh, reality TV program is done. Uh, what does that leave us with, apart from uh, some very angry Ukrainians? Um, is, never a good thing. No, um, is one Morgan Evo Nissan uh, and three drivers that we are told to expect will race at Spa and the Le Mans 24 Hours, and that would be Oliver Webb, Pierre Rag, and Zoll Amberg, I believe are the three that we're talking about. Um, and we don't appear to be yet at the end of potential legal fallout from that, uh, with Keros making it very clear indeed that they are singularly unamused with some rather one-sided reporting that appears to paint them as the villain here. Now, the straight and honest answer is, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I absolutely have absolutely no idea whether it, uh, which side is true here. But I would say that certainly the effort has been tarnished by what you can only really report on as being something of a mess. Um, the one part of this that I can report has been relayed to me is that the stumbling block between Keros and Morand, in no small part, uh, was a revelation that would appear to indicate that on uh, buying the team, that they wouldn't necessarily have been buying the cars. And that became news to them, if you like, rather late in the day. So I think there's been a little bit of shuffling of cards going on here. And, you know, in terms of the history we've had over the last, well, 18 months of the LMP2 class, this is a story the WEC could do without. And uh, my view would be this. They need to turn up. They need to, to run well. They need to put a good show on. Um, at Spa, or I suspect they'll be going in for a meeting without coffee with uh, someone at the ACO. Uh, and just proving we're live, by the way, the West Indies are 299 all out in the second test match against India at Grenada, and uh, that is T. Uh, so uh, England will resume uh, after tea. That's the first innings, of course, England winning the test, uh, winning the toss and putting the West yeah. Indies yeah, in to bat. Uh... This, I mean, it's just been—it's um, just been a bit of a mess. What I will say is, because of the link with the race to 24, Graham, and how that was ACO involved, nobody in this have really enamoured themselves to the ACO, and ultimately. Um, as much as we talk about automatic entries, there's no such thing as an automatic entry to Le Mans. The admissions, the invitations committee, actually, is the correct uh, terminology of the ACO, sit and decide who go to Le Mans. And this cannot be good news for anybody involved in this, and I'm going to use this word, this farrago, this disaster, um, over the last few months. Because ultimately, Le Mans is going to be around next year, the year after, and the year after that. And some of these people, whether it's... Saad, whether it's Kairosh, and and frankly, I haven't got enough information to, no. to to make an informed decision. And anybody who is doing that at the moment is is putting themselves out there. And and as you said, I know that Kairosh are talking legal action with one or two uh, other outlets uh, for what's been said. But they're not enamouring themselves to the ACO for for the future. Uh, they're not. And I think the other thing to remember here, John, is that it's not just uh, these days that I'm on 24 hours where you have to be invited or rather you have to be approved. You have to do that for the WEC as well. And let's not forget that the WEC opted to bust their own self-inflicted 32 car maximum 
you sort of wonder whether or not someone saw this coming. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Uh, well made. Uh, very quickly, um, Thomas Enger is back in a sports car. It's a Camaro, and he's got a decent teammate for the ADAC opener. Tall bloke, uh, English. Uh, oh, they're forgetting. Brilliant, wonderful. It's the Serini... Um, Camaro, built by Writer Engineering, and there's a separate part to that story, by the way. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But uh, yes, Ollie Gavin and Thomas Enger, that's a great driver lineup, isn't it? In, in a car that I think is going to prove to be quicker than many people think. Uh, Thomas was doing some great stuff with it at the Blompin Endurance Series pre-season test at Ricard. Uh, we've seen Ollie out in uh, various Callaway Corvettes in ADAP GT Masters in the past, but uh, gets to go out in a Camaro. And uh, by all accounts, I think he's, he's looking forward both to it and to, well, who wouldn't look forward to a racing weekend with Thomas Enger, let's face it. I mean, one of the great characters of the sport, and uh, frankly, we don't see enough of him. The other part of the story, which is a kind of sort of unfinished part of the story, is that Thomas has shared the, um, the stable, if you like, uh, at Writer Engineering for many years with Peter Cox. And yes. Peter has announced this week that uh, he's leaving Writer Engineering. Um, that, um, you know, without a particular public reason um, for, for doing so, but I suspect that's to do with the fact that uh, there isn't an immediate programme for him uh, this year, but zero doubt we will be seeing him. I, I know he's doing the 24-hour series in the Scuderia Praha uh, Ferrari, and I've no doubt whatsoever that we're going we're to see Peter uh, around for many moons to come in things fast with a wheel on each corner. But, uh, you know, for now, thanks for all the fun, Peter, at uh, Writer Engineering, because he's been with uh, Hans Reiter and his Lamborghinis, well, for as long as most of us can remember. Yeah, and and throw his hat into that ring fairly early on in the project. Still, I think, is uh, touring car lap record holder at Thruxton, if I remember rightly. uh, BMW, dears. Uh, One more sports car story coming from Tim Gray for you, Graham. Yes, uh, British GT. Mm-hmm. And a friend of Nick Damon, Sean He's Hollenby, got friends. He has. Yes. He used to have yeah. a friend anyway. Uh, has is. decided after his uh, race at Alton Park the other week that he's too slow to race. Uh, so he's replaced himself in his own team. That's a brilliant move. Yes. That's. I've I, I, I've been sacked by who? Uh, I've sacked hey. myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> oddly, <laughs> oddly, that's not something that surprises me about Sean. What, that he was too slow? No, no, he, no, no that he's he made, honest No, enough. he's very honest and make, I mean, will absolutely make the decision seem very odd to us ego-driven people. Mm. So who's, ste- who's stepping in? Uh, he's being replaced by Jake Hill for the rest of the oh, season. Oh, really? Yes. For the rest of the season? Yes. Wow, that's really good news for Jakey. Well, Does that mean your garden won't get done, uh, Tim? My garden hasn't been done by Jake for a very long time, and it, and it shows, I have to say. It's not a euphemism, that, by the no, way. No, no, he, really he, he did it to his garden, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, exchange, <laughs> in exchange for sponsorship. Yes. Lucky, because that's just one minute past the watershed, so we're OK with that. Yes, uh, in which case we will let you go and enjoy the rest of what remains of your birthday. Graham Goodwin, editor of Daily Sports Car. Thank you very much indeed for joining us Happy tonight. Happy birthday! Happy birthday from the collective as well. It's just after nine o'clock. This is Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway. Uh, And still to come then in hour two of Midweek Motorsport tonight, another 60 minutes of this cake-driven nonsense. Uh, We'll be speaking to Marshall Pruitt about Long Beach. I was there. 
but not for all of it. So we need to get up to date on the bits that I didn't see, some of which were good, some of which weren't very good. And by the way, we've just had a tweet from Ryan DL. Um, Is he under I've, investigation? He, well, he got a fine. Huh. Um, he said his lips are sealed. That's the smart thing to do right now. Although we did invite him on the show tonight. But um, RD, we thank you for that. And thanks for coming. Is uh, he one of the specials then? Back to us, yes. His lips are sealed. Indeed. Uh, your tweets at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mans. But next, we've got some big news from CJ Wilson Racing. Sports on RadioLeMond.com. And you very nearly got there in time. Uh, yeah, that one's just a bit shorter than the other one. It's I actually think. slightly longer, that one. Really? Yeah. I've got that at 50 that, that's seconds. A, that's the longest of them all. Well, that's 50 seconds, that one. Um, uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport. We're in the second uh, hour of the programme. Uh, as we've, we've mentioned, Mar- uh, we've got uh, Marshall uh, to come. But we're going to America now. Uh, and uh, you will remember a couple of weeks ago, Mark Miller, who most latterly has been driving a Mazda MX-5 for CJ Wilson Racing in the ST, the street tuner category of the Continental Tyres series, which obviously our sister station, IMSA Radio, covers live uh, on the uh, IMSA weekend. Well, you know, 14 days is a very, very long time in politics, and it would seem in motorsport, as I found out yesterday when I spoke to Mark uh, on the link from the United States. Strange thing what only a couple weeks will do, but... um... Obviously, I was not in a car at Sebring, and uh, we opted to sit out uh, the Sebring round of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that we are uh, just launching a GS Porsche 911 to compete at the Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca with new partner Fantasy Garage. And we're really excited to have them on board for the few races that we're going to run with their primary livery this year. Uh, the car looks amazing and we're looking forward to kind of hit our hit the ground running this is a massive piece of news for you and for the team the continental tires category in itself is very competitive you've got some experience but i mean the gs class is is bonkers isn't it yeah the gs class you know grand sport class is the the premier class in the in the continental tire car challenge series and I've had five years of experience in ST and a, and a lot of experience in under horsepower cars. But before I did sport car racing, I was racing stock cars and open wheelers. And the stock car experience I had was 500 plus horsepower. And this opportunity is kind of one of those where we're in a car that's 400 plus horsepower competing against the Camaros and BMWs. And, and that for me and i'm sure tyler will echo tyler mccory my teammate will echo the same same thoughts we're really excited about being in that class um it's it's just as rough and tumble as st is the cars are a bit heavier certainly more power um, a lot more straight line speed and a lot more tire management goes mm-hmm. on in that class which is which is something that you know we've kind of been blessed with with our mazda mx5s in the past you know we have we've had to not worry about tire conservation as much, but in the GS class, um, we will have to look into that. And not just that, but thankfully we're moving into the GS class with a car, the 911, which is the lightest car in the class. So we're kind of moving in a, in a parallel way, 
Tyler has plenty of experience in in Porsches. Uh, he was part of a winning 25-hour of Thunder Hill program in a GT3 Cup car. So he's been um, he's got plenty of drive time in in the rear drive 911 format, as do I. And you know, we're we're certainly looking forward to kind of uh, going to that track and, and seeing how quick we can get up to speed. The Conti series now, really, I think everybody is looking at it. Now that it's part of the IMSA program, um, it, it's sort of a proving ground or a stepping stone, if you will, to the big show, the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. And being at the, being in the top class, in the GS class, that can only be good for, for you and and for the team. Well, I'll tell you the good thing about uh, the GS class that that's attractive to, to our program. One, it's it gets elevated TV time, which is fantastic for our partners. As we step into this uh, this first round and then in the follow up uh, race for Fantasy Garage at Lime Rock, you know, that's certainly having that TV presence and and the presence in the paddock really means a lot to them as well as as well as the drivers. As far as the stepping stone to Tudor, if you notice, there's a lot of Tudor drivers that compete in GS and even ST, and you have um, you have well you have a championship winning. A driver in the Tudor series that ran Sebring in a Honda this year with Kudo Whitmer. So, mm. you know, you, there's, as far as driver talent, it's it's great up and coming racers. And you've got some GT and prototype drivers that come into the series <laughs> and and race in Conti because it's so competitive and it's so fun and it's 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 a it's a great series to be a part of. It's not unlike a few years ago until NASCAR put a stop to it. The old bushwhackers coming into the uh, what was then the Bush Series and getting a bit of extra practice on the circuit, hey, taking some decent prize money and and getting to run at the front of the fields as well. And, and we still see a bit of that between the guys from, from GT and even some um, PC drivers uh, jumping back into the Conti cars and... and Clearly, they're pro drivers. They're getting paid. Oh yeah, it's not uncommon. And you know, it's it's often when you look at guys like Andy Lally or a lot of the GT and, and some of the prototypes, Eric Curran, G, uh, Andy Lally, uh, Lawson Auschenbach. You know, pretty much anyone in that upper program has been has many years of experience in the GT category. Curran running the, the prototype, the Whelan uh, prototype. You know, he's got experience in in the B class as well. So. You have that on an on a normal basis. It's great for for the rest of the drivers in the series, the regular racers, and I would consider myself as part of the regular Continental Tire Series driver roster. It's great to be able to just uh, be around those guys and watch them run back and forth and run themselves ragged. Uh, going from paddock to paddock and look at them and say, man, I wish I would do that. But this is great for you um, because it allows you to pit yourself up against those guys. You're able then to to be able to put yourself in the shop window. Well, and it's no different. I think it's no different in the ST class as well. We've both Andy Lally, Spencer Pelly, we've got Terry Burchler in the class who's a you know, multi-time uh, Rolex winner. You know, we, we race against those guys already and, and successfully. So um, it doesn't hurt to be doing it in a faster car at sure. all. But and, and I think that's the challenge. I know that in my own shoes, putting myself there is the challenge that I'm really looking forward to is working with our already proven team to, to work on developing a car, how we want to develop a car, 
um, in a different class. I mean, we've we've developed the, the Mazda MX-5 platform how we wanted to do from the very beginning, and it's been quite successful. Uh, we're, we've got our hands on a new car to us, and what we do right now to get us up running with the Camaros and the top Mustang teams and, and the Rumbum Porsche 911 team and try to compete at that level. So I have no doubt that we can kind of develop that car, which is new to us, into a front runner. Just we're going to probably need some time to do it. But, you know, nothing would make uh, any of us happier than to show up, show up and have a strong qualifying effort and a strong first stand and a great finish. Um, but, you know, our purpose of doing this is certainly – one is to put Fantasy Garage, which is a new partner and a new product line, on the spotlight and then learn as much as we can going into that first weekend. So when we race that car again, we're even more prepared to, to compete at the front. Well, you've mentioned the, the new partner, and we don't talk about this enough in motor racing, but without partners, none of this happens. Um, so tell me a little bit about Fantasy Garage. I've got the webpage open now, which is uh, fantasygarage.com. And already I'm envious, and already I know <laughs> that my garage would look better and better organised if I had some units uh, in around the bike and the cars. So workbenches, rolling cabinets, overhead storage that can be sort of modular, fabulous idea, and, and an opportunity for people going to the track to to have some of this in in their own garage as well. Yeah, the great thing about this is I, I was I was seeing these products firsthand in our own shop last week, and um, some of the features that they've put into these, they are actively looking for feedback from enthusiasts, motorsports enthusiasts, fans, certainly the mechanics that that we work with. This partnership isn't just a motorsports partnership. We're providing them um, constant feedback on what we lo- love about the product and what can be improved on the product. Some of the little features on it, there's a wood countertop. It's, uh, it's a hardwood countertop. The drawers are um, extra reinforced. Some of them have power outlets inside the drawer so you can charge things oh, inside nice. a drawer and lock it. Rolling toolbox is something that we used during a photo shoot last week, and we were playing music through Bluetooth on a phone across the shop and and just playing it through the speaker system that's in the toolbox. Oh. Some of these things are just really cool ideas and, and things to have in, in whether you're a hobbyist and you're working on cars in your shop, you don't have to have an external radio or a system. You can just all you need is your cell phone and tie it in with the Bluetooth and you can play your playlist. You know, we'll we'll have um, all these tools at the racetrack on display. Not just for people to come and look at our mechanics are working on the car using all of these things mm. because they're just that they're good and they're modular and we can take them to racetracks we can roll them into the trailer and um, they look fantastic and when when you see when you see the, the products on display you'll see what we're talking about. So for anybody who's at Maseris Willaguna Seca, an opportunity to uh, take away uh, basically the same setup that will be in the uh, CJ Wilson Racing Garage. Obviously not that one, because they might need it to do some work. Um, it's all about taking a photograph of the 33 uh, CJ Wilson Racing Fantasy Garage Porsche 911, or the garage area, or the drivers, or something that encapsulates what they're doing. Uh, and you then post it to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You'll have to use the hashtag Fantasy Garage Selfie. 
and then all US posters entered into a draw to win uh, about $1,700 worth of kits. And if you like, share or retweet any of the shots throughout the weekend, you can be eligible to win a Fantasy Garage Bluetooth rolling cabinet. So you can listen to us on RadioLeMond.com in your own Fantasy Garage as well. And there's also five swag gift baskets uh, for up to four Fantasy Garage products. We'll give you all those details again as we build up to the Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca race on RadioLamont.com and IMSA Radio. Of course, we want people to come down to the garage area as well and meet Mark and Tyler and and the rest of the team. And CJ. Oh, CJ, CJ will he's be gonna... there Friday, so he'll be there Friday morning, and then he has to leave. But um, we, he, I just got news that he's going to be there, and it's a great opportunity for, over the course of those two days, Friday and Saturday, one to come and see the products and see the new car and and, and meet with us. Um, but also, when you look at the products, be be open to tell people, tell the uh, fantasy garage folks what you like and what you think can be improved on it and your idea may actually just go into a, a later model production mm. um we're gonna have a lot going on and obviously uh friday morning cj will be there he can't stay through the event but we love the fact that every once in a while he, he can sneak in and, and see his team race <laughs> or hang out with us for a while uh, let, let's get back to you as you mentioned didn't have a drive not so very long ago, and you were hanging out in our booth at, at Sebring and did a, a smashing job. Thanks very much. Then the deal comes together. You've got the GS program off and running, and I can't let you go either, Mark, without talking about a small race in France in the middle of June that has not dropped into your lap but has become available, and you are now going to be a Le Mans 24-hour driver. Yeah. I was still in Gibby actually thinking about it, but the... I know for every one person or pat on the back or congratulations I get, there's a hundred people that just want to kill me right now. <laughs> for every one of a hundred. And, uh, None of our listeners, I tell you, mate, that's living the dream. You you know, good guys like you, it's great when something good happens. There's none of us at, at all are anything other than very envious but very pleased for you. And you should you should know that. And we should say this is because the, the, the Riley technology viper which was top of the reserve list is is now in the race all this was going on um beforehand i had a great opportunity uh, to come test for, for uh, ben keating and the viper exchange team and, and bill riley and then that that went r- really well and, and before then this all started years ago years ago when uh, the dodge srt Viper program was coming out. I was one of the drivers that tested for that program. That went well. You know, obviously it didn't go as well as I would have wanted um, because some other great drivers were had the opportunity to race. But I, I was able to get some of that experience and met Ben Keating then. Um, and I have known Bill Riley for 15 plus years. This opportunity kind of just grew slowly over the years. You know, I, I spotted with the team last year. Uh, when they finished third at the not this previous year, but the year before, when uh, the the one of the LM cars finished third at the Rolex and was on the radio for twenty hours or or so, and with them, and I just worked with these guys for a long time, and I think part of this program going to Le Mans with the ViperExchange.com program is is personnel and how well everyone works together. I've yes. I've known Bill long enough, or he 
puts the best possible team around him. And it's not about, it's not all about an individual talent. It's not all about one specific thing, but it just becomes how everyone gels together. And I feel really blessed that I get this opportunity to begin with, with such a big American car brand, American uh, team, and as an American driver who coincidentally has some Dutch heritage and and it's, it's kind of a strange, uh, thing with Jerome being uh, on the team and, and kind of the forward statesman as far as experience and platinum level driver and mm-hmm. how much I have the opportunity to learn from him and then have Ben and myself as, a, as Americans with an American brand. It's, it's a truly an honor, really. And uh, I'd be remiss without saying that. Well, we wish you all the best in that. That's a little further ahead. But first of all, we've got to drag you back to Mazda Race with Laguna Seca and uh, the Continental Tyres Race there, a race you'll be able to hear on our sister channel, IMSA Radio, as well as here on RadioLamont.com, of course. Realistically, is it dangerous to set aims and objectives, or have you got to do that to be able to say to yourself, we've, you know, we've succeeded or, or we haven't done so well? Well, I mean, you want to set objectives, and, and we have a two-pronged objective. One is to satisfy the needs of our partner and to put on a great show off the track. And that, that's an objective that we know we have complete control over. Uh, the other objective is to prepare as, as much as possible and make some uh, adjustments on the car that prior to arriving that we're comfortable with that we know is going to work for us. The on track, you know, we have hope. We don't necessarily have a goal to, to finish on the podium or finish the top five, but we expect to uh, finish the race with a clean car, qualify as as well as possible, and complete every lap on, on track and hope that it is within the top five or top ten in a comfortable way and we're competitive. And I think that's the only approach that we can make on a competitive level for our first outing with that car, you know, we have a group that has a great group of drivers, a good, talented uh, staff, great engineers, and we have good cars. So there's no question that we shouldn't do well. But we're also up against all of those things with all the other competitors that routinely run in the top five. So we certainly want to come and have a good showing at Mazda Raceway and, and do as well as possible. But we make no promises that we're going to be on the podium. <laughs> Yeah, but it'd be a nice bonus if you were. Mark, thank you very much for uh, letting us break some of this news. Good luck for the Master Race with Laguna Seca weekend. Thanks, John. Midweek Motorsport with John Hindhoff. Talking to us there about the 33 Porsche, brand new to Conti at Master Race with Laguna Seca and his Le Mans aspirations, which is not why we have the Allo Allo music in the background. Tim Gray has been pissing past your door. Uh, explain. What do we use this music for? I can't remember what we use this music for. It just makes me happy. How would you describe it? Oh, Renee. How would we describe it? It's French. And what sort of comedy? Allo Allo. Wartime comedy. Resistance. Beginning it's with fr- F. Sorry? Beginning with F. I can't hear you, you Tim. you throw the bed. Sorry. <laughs> Beginning with F. 
French farce. French, French farce. It's a French farce. farce. You really must tell us what you want <laughs> us to say. Really. <laughs> that was very slick. Yeah. Which French farce if you, you want? All right, go on then. Uh, we'll edit it out. No, no, go on. Carry on now. It's too late. Do you remember earlier in the year uh, we were talking about the World Rally Championship and uh, yes. saying that France's round of the World Rally Championship was homeless because Alsace, uh, which had stolen it in 2009, uh, yes. uh, didn't want it anymore because uh, Alsace's reason for wanting it was that uh, that's the region where Sebastian, Sebastian Loeb is yeah. from. Um mm. So it was homeless at the time. And then Corsica said, oh, well, I suppose we could have it back. We're sort of French. Stefan Sarazan, the last winner of the Tour de Course, of course. Of course, uh, of, course of course. So uh, then, a little bit later on, uh, Corsica announced its plans for uh, its WRC round. Uh-huh. And let's say the WRC were not that enamoured with those plans. Did they let, intend let having Audi Quattros and Lanciero 37s? Oh, they may as well have drivers. done. Oh, so, okay. obviously, WRC is a three-day event now. Yes. Uh, that doesn't mean there's dressage. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but frankly, there were. Well, no, there is. There's that little foofing around in a city centre, isn't there? That's a bit like dressage. So, the first Except day... Except not as exciting. The first day of the Tour of Corsica uh, consisted of uh, Special Stage 1. Excellent. Which was uh, 45 miles. That's quite a long way for a special stage. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? And that's all that was on day one. Right. Right. Which kind of left them a little bit nervous about how they're going to fill a one-hour highlight show uh, that they have to do each day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Day two, Saturday, there were two stages on day two. Right. Right. and then there were another Are they 80, two. 80, 87 miles each? No, they were both around 40 miles. Right. Um, so actually, one of them was as. Uh, yes, uh, all around 40 to 50 miles. And then there were another two on Sunday. But what was the thinking behind this? Did they really think that that was going to work for them? Well, it gave them enough miles to uh, call it a rally. It just wasn't spread out over enough stages, it. no. And, and is there a, li- a minimum or a maximum number of stages? No, there isn't. There's, it's my, it all goes on mileage, Nick. Um, and it, it tends to be now that they they like to run it from a single point, or at least a single point on each day. Yeah. So it's a it's a spoke, a hub and spoke type thing rather than you know moving around. Um, so they've probably fulfilled to the letter of the specification exactly what they needed to do but as tim says that is a very very old-fashioned way of looking at now frankly from my point of view i think it's great because it would have been really interesting to see these cars do long stages yes um so they've had a little compromise and they're going to run nine stages which is still only half (laughs) as many stages as most rallies right um and uh, well, it's, it honestly, honestly, it's easy enough to do. In that, um, all you've got to do is cut the forty-five mile stages into four bits, hmm. haven't you? So uh, nine stages in total, uh, three on each day. Uh, the shortest is nine miles, and there's still a twenty-eight mile stage in one in uh, excellent in here. That would have been a short stage back in the days when I was. 
out on when you were a lad when I was out, out. on the Lombard RAC rally is a five days William Willard yes absolutely TR7s again second time in a different context in the same episode and uh, and Jewel oh yeah do you remember that yeah mm-hmm. so they start and finish in the Jaccio uh, really we don't care no uh, I'm stopping you now of your first line Friday night they're in Bastia and Saturday night nice. in Porto Vecchio which is also which very is, which, nice which is classic to the course areas, of course, yes. and and they will use the classic stages. I mean, that's the oh, great yes. thing. It's super Bits of them quick. At least. It's super quick. No one will care. I will no one care. It's a classic rally. And you will watch, and uh, it's coming later in the year. I will probably watch. Uh, but I, this weekend, I hope Stefan Sarazan um, uh, enters it if he can. I'm as the sure defending if doesn't champion, clash, he would. Mm. Um, of course, the Tour of Corsica has run since, just not as a WRC event. Well, that that was what the, the it's run as an ERC event, yeah, and it's a run as a category Did two it run or category three as event. a Fiesta Kick Energy event. No, no. it didn't. Uh, um, did this weekend, the, did Grindaf Evans ever win it? No. Or did Elfin Evans ever win it? Then Elfin Evans wasn't around in t- well, he was around, but he wasn't doing WRC in two thousand and eight. Uh, this weekend, the Stefan Sarrazin won it last year. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. He is, he is the ERC defending champion. Do yeah. tarmac rallies. This weekend, uh, they're off to Argentina. Hang on. Fabian W., who um, has just tweeted in to, to spec your team and said, Great pan for Rally Corsica. It cuts down the ridiculous amount of interviews in the highlights programme. <laughs> Fantastic. They are very easy padding, though. Yes, true. And um, you know you're going uh, to get them with just having one camera in one place. I was um, uh, very happy to go along the miles and Randy Connors and Danny Streds. And Alfred Wallace says, and in fairness, you have minimum requirements and when someone presents you with them, you really find out if that's what you want. <laughs> and that, you know, that is a fair point. Yeah. Uh, we got, we're getting some great pictures uh, from the guys at CJ Wilson Racing of the new uh, Twinstar International Fantasy Garage Porsche. Uh, which is red, white, and black. So what's not to like about the 33 car? Remember that uh, selfie competition we talked about? More news about that on our sister service, IMSA Radio, uh, as we get closer to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca uh, and through the live broadcast over the weekend uh, from Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. Uh, And lots of love coming in for both Ryan DL and Mark Miller, a couple of guys that we've mentioned this week, and Mark being on the show, of course, uh, particularly uh, a lot of congratulations for Mark on the Conti GS deal and for his drive at Le Mans. Good things happen to good people, we said. Clearly, a lot of you uh, concurring with that. And also, uh, a lot of support for Ryan DL as well. Uh, yet to find out what his ungentlemanly conduct... Walking off the rostrum. Is that true? Yep. Right, then that's... He up. had the hump with them all. That is... Yeah, but that... He was annoyed because he felt that the uh, race hadn't lived up to what it should have for the spectators. And I don't think there's very many people who would disagree with him. And there's nothing in the SSRs that says that he did anything wrong at all. And I think he's got quite a bit of support out there at the moment. The ridiculous thing is, he has, and he won't say this, but I'll say it on his behalf, that with the amount of driver points that have been docked by the, all of those things at the weekend, 
uh, from that series is that the man who called all the problems, Olivier Beretta, uh, has managed to open up his championship lead on Ryan DL. Hmm. Yes. And that's right how, exactly? That's sport, though, isn't it? Hmm. Sometimes the best man doesn't win, and sometimes the best man doesn't get... Ryan, I'm sure you will pay your uh, your $1,000 fine. I hope that you make the point to the series that you'll be paying that to charity and not to them, because that's the most ridiculous decision that I've ever seen by any series ever. Ebbs. And trust me, I've Ebbs. seen some silly ones. Well, yes. Uh, anyway, let's return to the story that we're halfway through. Right, go on. Oh, sorry, I thought you were finished. What, we're this still weekend, doing Rally Corsica? WRC no, moves that. to Argentina. Uh, which has got an E on the end and at the beginning. Yes. Move to Argentina. Don't MOT my Cortina, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, carry on. <laughs> um, but uh, one driver won't be there. Sebastian Loeb! Robert Kubica. Oh, really? Did has he, he finally away? Has he finally given it up? Not at all. Um, in fact, he's doing very well this year. He's won six stages. Has he finished already? Uh, but there have been two a lot rallies. Of he hasn't had to use Super Rally to get to the end. A lot of uh, the, uh, a lot of the uh, reasons why he hasn't uh, been more competitive are down to technical problems with the car. Uh, and this year, remember, he's running his own is that, team. Is that the technical problem where it's wrapped around a tree or a technical problem where it's a wheel's fallen off and it's gone out of a ditch? <laughs> no, neither of those. These are genuine technical problems. Oh, OK. So Not a Honda technical problems, then. It's fair enough that uh, he should uh, skip a rally in order to do some uh, development work on the car, don't you think? Mm, no. just means he's possibly. got the budget to go to Argentina. The problem is uh, that the car was shipped to Argentina. <laughs> Um, so yeah the car's in Argentina Um, the tyre technicians from Pirelli are in Argentina uh... and uh, they're just missing the driver and some of the other team uh, you're listening to Midweek Mortis, but thank you, Tim, for that WRC update. It's just after half nine in the UK. It is now fully black and dark outside. Uh, that is proper dark out there at the moment. It's pitch. It dark. is pitch black outside. And uh, we now go to our US correspondent from Racer.com, Marshall Pruitt. Good evening, Marshall. Hi, Andy. <clears throat> Excuse me. How are you, Andy? That's all right. That's Good all right. Uh, so happy I almost choked. Yes. <laughs> um, we've, uh, we've just found out from one of our competition, one of our hashtag IHG Rewards Club competition winners, that uh, they got their uh, Rewards Club uh, points dumped into their uh, account recently. You were the recipient of some of our uh, Rewards Club uh, points on your way back from Silverstone. I take it that the guys at, uh, at Heathrow Raw looked after you adequately? Mate, I'd still be sleeping in that bed if I didn't have a plane to catch. That was so comfortable. <laughs> uh, I'm so uh, pleased. I'm so perfect. pleased that uh, IH3 Rewards Club could help you out. Um, we've got to start with World Challenge um, and the $61,000 worth of cash fines. And also talking there a little bit about the uh, about the points fines for, for drivers. Ryan DL fined for walking off the... Uh, podium. He he was on the podium as far as I'm aware. He didn't shake and uh, champagne. Didn't feel that was appropriate. And he's been uh, dock driver points for uh, and fined, I believe, for what was called ungentlemanly 
conduct. What I don't get, as I've just said, MP, is the gap between the um, Ryan and Olivia Beretta, who is at the heart of some of the incidents at the weekend. Uh, the, the gap seems to have grown. How's that worked? You know, Heidi, I'm not sure where to start on this. And uh, well, I mean, come on, brother. Forty drivers entered the race. Twenty half five zero. Fifty percent were penalized. Have you? Uh, I've just I've never heard of such a thing. Nor am I saying that those numbers are completely unjustified. Uh, do I agree with every penalty that was assessed? Absolutely not. But I think the majority of them were. How's this? We can certainly debate what the penalties happen to be, uh, financial penalties, points penalties, and otherwise. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with $61,000 in lightning of wallets, but uh, I definitely think that a lot of what took place required some sort of corrective behavior. But yeah, when you look at at how things were done, Hindy, it reeks of looking at individual instances – compared to taking a bigger picture view mm. drawing back to exactly what you said wait a minute so the winner committed was the most penalized driver of the event olivier beretta received three post-race penalties yet with the other penalties that were given points wise and so on uh he actually improved his standing is his point standing and a few other things where again you go huh i get the penalizing for this instance and for that instance but at what point do you push back from the table and say does all this make sense from a season-long standpoint from a uh, again if this person if we've determined this person was the most offensive of all the drivers and has earned more penalties in it than any others how do they come out with an advantage um so again uh, uh, it's an opinion thing and uh, the other thing that we should state is it's their series and i know that's an obvious statement if they wanted to make everyone dress up and you know uh, in purple polka dot pants that's what they could do and And i'm sure as well mp i'm sure as well that by the letter of the supplementary regulations and their code of conduct they have done everything correctly but sometimes you have got as you rightly say i think you've got to look beyond that um, when you've got a situation with Ryan, who uh, Ryan DL, who was who was fined for his conduct on the podium, um, all right. Listen, I, I accept that a race is over. You've got to you've got to do the formalities, etc., etc. Um, however, it just sounds harsh to me that for not shaking a bottle of champagne, you get fine driver points and money, and you know, and at the same time. You who have not been involved in any of the shenanigans um, don't improve your position as far as the championship. And let's not forget, this is if this was an isolated incident, Marshall, then I could kind of go with it. But this is now the second race in a row that has been ruined as a spectator event on TV or at the track by absolutely dreadful driving standards. And I understand that it's on a tight schedule and you can't red flag these races and restart them. That is 
that's unfortunate because the sensible thing to do certainly at St Pete's and, and probably also at Long Beach would be to have red flagged it, stopped the clock and restarted it. When you're on the IndyCar calendar and certainly when you're on the Long Beach calendar, you can't do that because Jim McKillian just won't allow it. It's why the best race of the weekend with the most green flag laps and the most entertainment gets stuck on on the Saturday night rather than any other time because obviously IndyCar is king that weekend. That's that's their... You know, that's their thing. But this isn't an isolated incident, Marshall. We are now seeing a pattern developing this year within the World Challenge. So here's a couple of things, Andy, and tell me where I need to stop because there's a lot of points I'll try and fit in here in a short amount of time. So if we look at how we got to the end of the Long Beach race, uh, World Challenge GT race, you have to rewind things and say, how did we? how did that happen? Well... I think if we're analyzing the path, you'd say, well, we knew and we heard all see all throughout the off season, cars are coming, cars are coming, mm. disenfranchised GTD owners from IMSA saying the heck with these costs. I'm going to go over here where it's much cheaper and different format, but boy, we're going to have a lot of fun. We heard that we're nothing but big spike in car counts coming, especially in GT slash GT three machinery with that happening. Uh, the one thing I didn't hear was, and boy, with all these extra cars that are going to come flooding in that we're going to have to manage in our 50-minute sprint race, here are the extra layers of stewards. Here's the growth and race control and management to handle this because with an explosion in car count, this also being a Pro-Am series, there are pros that compete in uh, in the GT category, and many of them are excellent, but it's also open to amateurs in the GT and also the GTA, which is technically for amateurs, but there are more AMs than pros on the in the average Pirelli World Challenge GT grid. Well, if you're going to see a big spike in numbers, you can just, based off history, this is even necessarily stuck to World Challenge, just in general. If you have more AMs coming in and high-powered machinery, you might predict there are going to be more yellows, more situations that need to be reviewed quickly in a 50-minute race to, to determine penalty here, Sorry foul about that. there. No worries. Go on. To determine penalty here, foul there, otherwise. I don't know if that happened from the series side, if they also grew to handle those situations. So what we ended up with at St. Pete was carnage nonstop, stupid driving from pros, from AMs. It, that was a big mess, too. I would have expected the proverbial getting called to the woodshed uh, for all the drivers and owners and entrants going into Long Beach the next round to say, hey, we can't have this, and these are the really, really steep efforts we are going to go to to prevent that from happening. Instead, what we had was essentially a, a race run amok as if no one was home in race control, Hindy. Mm. And as a result, everybody ran into one another. Uh, not There were seven total laps of green flag competition mm. in that 50-minute event at Long Beach. And now what we have is after the event, 20 penalties being doled out to half the grid. Uh, so uh, maybe the, the most basic question is, if a series cannot officiate during its event... Are they in control? Because what we saw last weekend was you guys go do whatever you do, and then after the race we're going to get really mad at you and drop the hammer. Um, that seems retroactive compared to proactive. I don't know if that's a positive thing, um, at least for Long Beach. Going forward, uh, one of the to me, beyond the drivers acting with some semblance of sanity, 
Uh, World Challenge needs to figure out how to handle infractions as they happen. Not spent, not tell us that they spent, you know, worked nonstop for 48 hours to review all the tapes and figure out who did what and uh, how they're going to be uh, hit with money, uh, financial fines, or points penalties. It's just, uh, tell me if you disagree, Heidi, mm. but it just seems backwards. No, I, I am frustrated beyond belief with this. Uh, the opportunity for World Challenge uh, is undoubted because of their early adoption of GT3. Uh, they haven't really done anything spectacular to get the car numbers. They did the right thing in opening up to GT3 early and therefore as the only GT3 championship uh, of its kind in the US, they have rightly cornered the marketplace. What this shows to me is that they are beyond I'm afraid they are beyond being able to run it, run it properly and run it professionally. What it looks like at the moment is it's not fair to say it looks like a club championship because I don't know of a club championship that looks that bad. And we are in a situation now where I am fearful for what happens going forward. And unfortunately, I don't know what the answer is. The answer at the weekend that happened at the weekend clearly wasn't the right one. It wasn't right for the teams, for the drivers, certainly not for the spectators or for the TV audience, uh, either on the stream or for the TV programme post-event. And talk to people in the paddock. You do it more than I do. I had the opportunity at the weekend to talk to some of the people from the paddock. There is a lot of unhappiness. There's a lot of damage being done. A lot of very expensive... GD3 cars aren't cheap. We're not talking about self-build cars that are a few thousand dollars in a chump car race out on a weekend that guys are going to do for fun. These are half million dollar and above race cars that are regularly being wrecked and people, um, sometimes through their own stupidness, and okay, you can't fix stupid, I understand that, but sometimes just because of the situations that they are put in. There are some good drivers in there. There are some drivers that should know better than what they've done. But at the moment, I am immensely frustrated for everybody. You talk to the guys in the paddock. I can only imagine the frustration is amongst those guys as well. And, and what I would say, Marshall... No, actually, answer that. Is there the same frustration in the paddock as I and you and all of the spectators are feeling? Absolutely. And uh, on top of that frustration, Heidi, there's... <sighs> I think there's a growing awareness that despite all of World Challenge's great potential, they're much far... Th- it is much farther from being realized than anyone might have suspected. Uh, And that is maybe uh, among the many wake-up calls coming out of Long Beach. This series has phenomenal potential. Agreed. And and again, I'm saying that as someone who has loved it for a long time. The first time I worked in the series was 1999. It's been around a lot longer than that, but, uh, you know, it's kind of been a part of my blood, my history for quite some time. So it does genuinely pain me to write about last weekend being a bleep fest of the highest order. Uh, But again, if we're, it was easy 
for anyone to see the problems on display at St. Pete and again at Long Beach. Not enough stewards in race control. Does there need to be a separate, call it, steward committee that does nothing but review and, and let's just say instantly uh, ascertain or determine whether a penalty is or is not required? Possibly, again, 50-minute format. 40 or 50 cars on a track. Hey, that's taxing resources. Yeah. So coming out of Long Beach, I think it should be clear to everyone, the manufacturers who invest significant money in the series, the drivers and entrants who own cars and spend a lot of money to be there. And this is throughout all classes. And there's about 17 different World Challenge classes, but we'll just stick with GT and last weekend. Uh, The series needs to expand its infrastructure to be able to effectively run its races. And if things go wrong, it shouldn't lead to a, well, we're going to get back to you in a couple days to tell you what you did wrong and hand out fines retroactively. That cannot continue. We know that we see that. Of the positives, and there are positives coming out of this weekend, it's just all in the form of, hey, things went really wrong, and now we have to figure out how to make them go really right. Uh, So, the series is, is headed straight to Barber. So it's not as if there's a lot of time exactly. for some of these things to be put in place, but I'll just say this very quickly, Heidi. The series is filled with passionate drivers, entrants, yes. the, the the people that run the series. and Everyone there is passionate, loves it, wants it to succeed. We've seen this with IndyCar. We've seen it with the ALMS Grand Am. We've even seen it with the Tudor Championship in a year and a half of existence. They've had some really big lows. Uh, I guess we could say that, in my opinion, uh, some may disagree, Long Beach for World Challenge was what Sebring 2014 was for the Tudor Championship. A big, ooh, okay, wow. We we didn't expect that. What were we missing that we didn't anticipate? And what do we have to do to get ourselves on track so it doesn't happen again? That, to me, is hopefully the story we look back at Long Beach towards the end of the year. Agreed. And let's try and take some positive out of that very quickly because we haven't got a lot of time left. And I want uh, to do a bit of motorcycling with... Uh, Nick, before we uh, wind up uh, tonight, uh, IndyCar, uh, much better. Uh, talk about a tale of two different races between uh, St. Pete's and Nola and then on the streets of Long Beach. I think only half a dozen or so uh, yellow flag laps, a proper race. Argue whether you think it was a good race or a bad race, but it was a much cleaner race. There was much more racing for the crowd. And you know that in that respect much better ultimately you could almost say that it was decided in the pit lane when tony canal pulled across the uh, the the nose uh, of uh, of the the then leading car which ultimately helped his teammate yeah i'll tell you there might not have been thrilling passes and daring moves uh, throughout the uh, 80 lap indycar race 90 but after the first race at st pete was nothing was a just disastrous in terms of contact and aero kit pieces flying in new orleans i think was regarded as many as just the worst indycar event they've ever been to long beach was a glorious nothing strange nothing bad nothing fantastic but nothing negative just a normal race a a reminder that oh okay things can just kind of go off the way they should be so what we did see i think in terms of uh value was just brutally hard racing again it didn't result in tons of passing and and you know people uh moving up and down the order per se but 
good lord, I don't know if I have seen, you know, call it 20 out of 23 indie cars driven harder mm-hmm. for 80 consecutive or you know 80 laps than I did on uh, Sunday at Long Beach and I would also say the same thing about IMSA on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Man, again, not a lot of passing, not even a lot of cars, but boy, just fierce competition and if you love racing, and you you know aren't necessarily concerned about the the explosive fun and just wanted to see pure chasing. Wow, that was exciting. But MP, I will take 17 cars and 24 cars and a, a, a race. By the way, now five hours and 20 minutes of green flag racing when IMSA runs the two professional series together. There's not been any yellow flags for five hours and 20, full course cautions, for five hours and 20 minutes. I'll take the I'll, I'll take the lower car counts to get more racing, and so will people trackside. They want to see cars at 170 miles an hour down shoreline drive, not going round and round behind a safety car or piled up in a mess at one of the corners, so I'll, I'll take that. Um, some, I'm afraid some sad news that we'll finish off with you uh, this evening. Um, one of our uh, broadcast colleagues, and I've worked with Steve Burns down the years, not often, but had my it's been my privilege to uh, work at the same events as him, and I've met him, sadly, uh, succumbing to illness, and in terms of particularly stock car broadcasting in the US, Marshall, uh, an absolute giant of the sport. Yeah, Steve was, uh, I guess you could say, a, a colleague at Speed for many years, uh, he being on the broadcast side, me being on the non-broadcast side. Uh, didn't, uh, I think I met him once, Didn't uh, don't pretend to know him at all, but you definitely get a feel for uh, the impact someone has while he was alive, uh, before uh, he was uh, stricken by cancer. While he was at Speed, uh, while he was at Fox, just doing what he did, the regard for him and the love for him yeah. among everyone else was really surprising. And Heidi, I'm telling you nothing new. This little motorsports industry of ours, you can get pretty negative pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Lots of people people can find reasons to pick apart anything about another human being. Uh, Steve, at least from what I saw, heard, and knew, he was one of the rare ones where uh, you really had to look hard to find someone that had something bad to say about Steve. So knowing that he's gone, you know, I am one of those folks who who loves having folks like Steve around because they do make things brighter, especially among others who maybe lend to their uh, darker tendencies. No, I agree. And although he was inexorably linked with stock cars and, and NASCAR in particular, the, the couple of times that I was on the grounds with him and... Uh, managed to speak to him. He clearly loved the sport as a whole and would talk about other forms of racing, including sports cars uh, and European-style racing. Uh, a, a sad loss to the sport and and to broadcasting. Uh, a sad way to bring uh, our American news to an end tonight. Actually, one of, uh, no, actually, you know what? I'm not, because Steve wouldn't want us to, fi- to finish on a down note. And a big American story this week, we had Mark Miller on talking on earlier on about the, the new 33 Porsche in Conti Tires GS but the other part of Mark Miller's story is Riley Technologies going back to Le Mans with a Viper and that's something that Steve in particular would have heartily approved of Marshall Amen to that and I love Bill Riley's approach he boy I tell you Went there, obviously, two years ago with Dodge with the factory GTLM program, big pressure, big expectations. Didn't work out as they'd hoped, had the fuel discrepancies between what they used in America Mm. and what they had to use uh, in France, frankly, really uh, kind of 
took away their competitive abilities. But what I've loved, Heidi, and this is going back, you know, a number of months, Bill has been so fired up to go back as a privateer in mm-hmm. GTE AM, uh, has done everything the right way. We've had great conversation. I think Graham and I had a great conversation with him during the Rolex 24, you know, midnight driving around somewhere, saw him, and he was just loaded with so not only so much enthusiasm, but we were asking him a few questions on the record. And he said, okay, I'll tell you off the record, but you can't print that because <laughs> if if the ACO, you know, the ACO might misconstrue my words and I wouldn't want that to then make them think twice about letting me in, uh, even though, you know, I'm an alternate. And so I just, again, love the fact that instead of a guy who's been everywhere, done everything, won everything, you know, Bill has nothing left to prove. He has had the passion of a first timer going to his first big race. So uh, again, I, I good call Heidi for, for ending this the right way uh, for someone like Bill to be able to go with Ben Keating. Who's, you know, just the happiest guy on the yes. planet. This is, it's a great story. We don't know how they're going to finish, but they're going there with a lot of talent, a lot of enthusiasm. And my, my suspicion is they, if they don't already have a bunch of supporters, they are going to be embraced by everyone following that race because it really is a little team that could. Yeah, uh, and Mark Miller, a great addition to that, and he is happy as a sand boy for that. MP, thanks for being with us this week. Uh, we'll speak to you next week, mate. Cheers. Thanks, brother. And... We've got about six minutes to go this you, you evening. You faded your own microphone down there. I, I did, rather than Marshall. Which Nick Damon's like still a... with us, though. Is his microphone on? Uh, yes. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you weren't sure? No. We can uh, talk very quickly about uh, very quick bikes, and yes. uh, Mark Marquez has shown he's fallible. Well, we knew that already. But he's shown that he he's fell off in the wet once, didn't he? he and fell he fell off at the slowest corner in the world once. He, he, he did a lot of falling off last year in practice. And then after he'd basically sowed, 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 sowed the World Championship, he fell off a couple more times, uh, as absolutely right, John, including the slowest corner in the entire circuit. But uh, in Argentina, where proper, which Rebecca Beach probably should have gone there rather than not mm. going to the rally, um, the circuit, that's where he went. The circuit has a very, very abrasive surface that requires hard tyres. Yeah. Or super hard tyres. And uh, Rossi chose a super hard tyre, Marquez chose a hard tyre. Mar- Marquez has disappeared into the distance, then inside tyre management. All sounds very boring, but those are the MotoGPs, it's very exciting. And then uh, Valentino catches him up, and they come to the point where that's they are... That's because you're not allowed to come in and change your tyres. Yes. And so the, the Valentino, they, well, they, get the point, they get the point where we thought, yes. oh, well, Valentino's caught him no problem whatsoever. But no, Wiley Marquez had saved his tyres for this battle and was able to go faster. So when uh, Valentino slipped inside him, he came back at him. When he slipped inside him again, he came back at him. Unfortunately, he came back at him a bit too aggressively, and he ran up his back wheel and went straight down the road at probably about 80 miles an hour, got up and ran off the bike that was broken. Um, and got no points. And Valentino got 25. Front versus back wheel. Back wheel always wins. The, but you can, Absolutely always. If anyone watches anything on motorcycle racing and they can see the, the, the backing in, you can do anything you like with the back wheel of a motorcycle as long yep. as the front wheel is still moving in the right direction. That's pretty. You can do nothing with a motorcycle once the front wheel stops moving in the right direction. <laughs> I have seen people pick motorbikes up that were sliding sideways with their knee and their elbow and the throttle, where you thought they were never going to get them back because they still had grip at the front. But you just lock that front for a picosecond oh. and you're down the road. Worst thing in the world when your front wheel locks up. Okay, we haven't back. got time to discuss the worst thing in the world. Moto2. No, 
Yes. And Moto3. Have we won Moto3. We're doing very well. We didn't win. We didn't win. Britain won Moto3. Yeah. With I, Danny Kent. Yeah. And Alex Lowe's. Oh, was he second or third? Third. Second. Third. third. Yeah. So we got. Uh, po- and of course, Cal Cutrick was third in MotoGP. And we had three Brits, a Brit on each of the podiums, which, given the fact that we basically all we do normally is win World Superbikes. When was the last ease, time that happened? Never. A long time ago. Never. Okay, moving away from bikes, friend of the uh, show. No, 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 stop, stop. We, sorry, sorry, stop. Just before we go away from bike, bikes, World Super Bikes were at Assen and was pretty good. We had a Dutchman, a new young Dutchman, first series and first uh, year in the series, took two podium and stopped the all British uh, podium celebrations. However, but the top four are still Brits. The top four are all still Brits. And, and can I you, point out that Van Hier Rossi's won two out of the first three Grand Prix? Yeah, no, you'd have had good And he's beaten Lorenzo every single time. And if you're in the UK, the Channel 4 highlights are Saturday morning, and I'm doing the presentation. I'm say, would I recognise the voice? Yeah. And if, if you missed the Yamato GP highlights, and in then British they're, they're bikes, on, again on Saturday. And in British, British Superbike, bikes, yeah. James Ellison won both rounds, yes. but Shaky Burns still leading. Yeah. At Brands, short circuit. So we, we move to back go to, to cars. Right, oh, go okay. on. Then. Uh, friend of the show, Niall Quinn won in yes. the and his disco pants. Second round of the Irish two- Touring Car Championship at Mondello Park at the weekend in his Seat Leon Supercopa. And why is he driving a Seat Leon Supercopa? Because it's the best car in the championship. Good Rod McGovern, who was second, also had one, and so did Barry but English, who was third. Why are there so many Seat Leon Supercopas in their general touring car championship? Because the Seat Leon Supercopa championship doesn't exist anymore. It does. It's about to start. This year, the Irish have relaunched the Seat Leon Supercopa, uh, which is, I think, Seat five rounds starting back end at of Mondello May. Park. Yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, so, it's called so Seat it's the, Corner, isn't it? The single, it is. It'll be a single-make championship, the Seat Land Supercopa, which I think starting back end of May. And interestingly, the person who is the PR man for that is one of the guys who I see regularly on the RC circuit. Oh, oh, really? Fantastic. Yeah. I think we should go and cover that, then. Supporting the Irish Touring Car Championship at the weekend was the Black Church Motors Fiesta Championship. Was it AK And in Energy? the final, mm-hmm. uh, Barry Rabbit. Yay! Back to racing after a long time off. And fellow front row occupant John Denning clashed on the way down to turn one, with Denning appear to spin himself across the Bowser Rabbit's car as he cl- tried to close the door. This left Denning stranded Where on the infield. Where was this at Mondello? Yes, you can imagine this now. that used to be now. called Visit Island with turn, the first car? Rabbit leading. Early on, right. the safety car was deployed when Darren Lawler ran wide at turn two, unsettling much of the pack, and unfortunate Dave Maguire was fired off into the barriers at high speed. Thankfully, he was fine, and when the safety car returned to the pit lane, it was Rabbit from Mondello's Phil Lawless and Ulrich Burke's tyre brigade machine uh, in third place. And finally... Yes. Uh, By the way, the bikes were especially for uh, Andy Prior this week. Good lad. He had a terrible weekend. He did. Uh, Formula Shane. Oh, how many different cars? Had Ender O'Connor <laughs> on pole with multiple and reigning champion Brian Hurty alongside him. Anybody push a car over a line? When the lights... Stop. When the lights went out, Dave Parks made a cracker of a start to almost draw alongside the leaders on the road to run to turn one. Unfortunately, he it. ran out of road, had to take to the grass and connected with the leader O'Connor as he rejoined. The resultant shunt caused a race stoppage and eliminated a number of cars. As they came back to reform on the grid, we were missing Kevin Shane, who appeared to go off at turn three. His car was recovered and the team tried to fix the damage before the restart. Parks did manage to rejoin the grid. Shane's team got his car fixed and he rejoined a few laps in, but was then black flagged. Perhaps a legacy of not being at the end of the pit lane when the race started? Maybe not. Back at the front, Harty got the jump at the second time of asking and led away. He didn't look too comfortable, though, and O'Connor began to pile the press on this allowed Robbie Allen to join the lead battle with Keith Hogg 
coming onto the main straight mid race, uh, kind of lost driving to the ground final to lap. a halt. Because um, the race has actually already finished in the time that you've read this out. It was another win for Harty, Hogg there you go. in second, and Alan third. Excellent stuff. And that was our Irish round, Irish motorsport round, brought to you by Visit Ireland. Oh, uh, that means we all now own bits of Ireland, does it? That's excellent. Yeah, fantastic. I'll have the bit that's green. Okay. That will <laughs> that's be most of it. Yeah, I'll have the bit that's black and... Uh, and has cars running around <laughs> yes. it. Yeah, no, that's not black, not black with a white head. That bit. I I uh, want the bit that's got Martin Burin's collection in it. That would be that's really right weird. next to my bit. Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. Um, please commentate on the Super Supercorp Championship, says Shane Burke. Uh, and Alan Prosser has just posted on Twitter uh, the Texas Tornado, Colin Edwards, saving a bike that was well gone with his knees, elbow and the throttle. Because he still had some front grip. And that's all there's time for tonight uh, on Midweek Motorsport. Next week, a DTM preview ahead Ooh. of the... Is that the first time we've ever done a DTM preview? I think it probably is, yes. Um, a DTM preview ahead of their first round at... Hockenheim. The Hockenheim ring, correct. Sorry, I've, I've been looking at the calendar all day today, deciding which ones I can go to. None of uh, them. At, You're at busy. The Ho- no, there's two that I can possibly go to. Uh, Hoggenheim ring for that, so we'll have our preview for that next week. Uh, and, uh, of course, all the latest news. And don't forget that next week as well, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I'm trailing well ahead for this, but I know that people are going to forget. I w- forgot. <laughs> WEC at Spa Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday? Um, Yes, there's uh, practice and qualifying, uh, practice two FP sessions. Obviously, we won't be broadcasting those, but there'll be timing on the website. On Thursday? Um, yes, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the racing spot. Friday, know. Saturday is what's on the timetable. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a normal three-day event, but so it's, it's just, just got a new timetable, has it? It's not the one that was published on their website last week. Uh, well, Hang on. I'm told that the car's on. on the track on Thursday. So, and that's why... It's a motor test. That, huh? No, no, seriously. Uh, and, of course, uh, next week is also the next IMSA round. It's Mazda Race for Laguna Seca with support, including Conti. Uh, free practice one Thursday, the 30th of April at midday Central European time for WEC. Uh, IMSA Radio fired up next weekend. Um, you may have to make some listening choices because there's a couple of slight there overlaps. There a lot of clashes. If you look at the website, you can see them all. But the plan is, Tim, is it not... That when one finishes on one side, it'll get transferred. When IMSA finishes on IMSA, it will then, as soon as the live finishes on Radio Le Mans, it'll get a replay on Radio Le Mans. Is that correct? Not always. All right, but we'll uh, we'll get the archive up as quickly as possible. The the main issue is uh, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's a week on Saturday. A week on Saturday, of course, mm-hmm. when uh, we have a clash between, I believe, free practice three from the uh, United Sports Car Championship mm-hmm. and the uh, World Endurance Championship, and they both finish at the same time. Ah. Uh, so at that point, uh, you get to hear a brand new mm-hmm. uh, Tyler's Long one Ooh. with Oliver Jarvis. Ah. Who recorded that year? Yeah. Oh. 
He was very good as well. Um, so at, at which point, as they both end, uh, you'll after, get Ollie Jarvis. After post-race tech in the uh, WEC. You'll get Ollie Jarvis and then we'll repeat the IMSA No, we won't. Uh, session. No? Because then we've got to do the live Conti race. Ah. But can we not repeat the IMSA on RadioLamont.com? Shouldn't this be... No, I'm just, I'm just asking, I'm just asking for the <laughs> listener's sake. I'm a listener at the moment uh, because uh, because I'm the one that listen. time. I will be a listener at that point. Exactly. This is really important Where for me. Hmm? I'm not involved. It's fine. I'm no, that's fine. fine. No, you're doing our season. I'm just listening stuff. It's uh, fine. There's no time to explain. That's the end of midweek motorsport. Uh, the Llama is now getting several devices for several ears for next weekend. Bye for now. <laughs> This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com. Silverstone. Bar. Fuji. Austin. The Nürburgring. Shanghai. Bahrain. And the Le Mans 24 hours. 66 hours of racing. Four classes. And over 100 drivers. Listen to the whole of the 2015 FIA World Endurance Championship exclusively live on RadioLeMond.com.